This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever you want. A number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on our site for free. So head over there and enjoy those on us. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Ademo. And Mark. Ademo joining us uh, courtesy of libertyontour.com. And we'll talk, I guess, more about LOT, but more probably about Cop Block and some of the exciting new things and features available over there. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, but, of course, we'll take your phone calls about anything at 800-259-9231. Last night I said I wanted to talk about this Rand Paul thing. There's some good news about Rand Paul, and I was a critic. You know, when he was running for uh, Senate, I was somebody who, you know, I made it very clear that I couldn't get behind the guy because of, you know, there were some things that he said during his campaign in response to some questions that I just uh, found very distasteful. He made some comments about immigration that I thought were pretty outrageous, very anti-freedom. Made some comments about the war in Afghanistan, uh, supporting that. Uh, with regards to immigration, it was like he wanted, I don't know, what was it, like a, f- a crazy fence and some black helicopters or yeah. something well, like that. When I was doing a Motorhome Diaries, Jason Talley interviewed him, uh, Jason Talley from the CD Evolution Fund, and uh, we interviewed Rand Paul in uh, Tennessee and in Nashville, and he was talking about building the wall, and Jason yeah. flat out asked him, what if we took away the carrot? And he was like, well, you got to scale people back, and the flow of people was the problem, not 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 the social welfare. And yeah, so I, I couldn't get behind him for that, and then it hit the people that were supporting him and, and kind of attacking me on that, well, you, you know, he's just saying those things so he can get elected. They were basically suggesting that Rand Paul was being dishonest, that he was really a liberty-oriented guy, but he just has to say these things in order to, you know, get into office because he's running for office in Kentucky, and you know those people down there, they, you know, they don't care about liberty, and so therefore they just have to hear this story in order to, uh, to give this guy their their vote. And of course, my response to that was, well, if that's true then I still can't support him because I can't support somebody who's going to tell lies. I'm not interested in getting behind somebody who either he's telling the truth and he really does support immigration restrictions and you know black helicopters and all that uh, and warmongering in the Middle East, or he's lying about those things, in which case I still can't support him because he's, he's lying. Well, no matter what, all politicians lie. I mean, no matter what it is, they are telling you a lie. Uh, well, it certainly seems that way. I mean, it would be refreshing to have an honest politician, and I think that I don't know. Maybe Ron Paul is a little more. I think Ron Paul is a little more honest with his positions on things. But maybe he feels like he he can be that way because he's been reelected, you know, ten times or something like that, and he's been reelected even though he's constantly voting no and he's constantly you know doing things that are so called not in the best interests of his district as far as like getting money for for the people. Sure. I guess maybe it's empty promises because even. Uh uh, Ron Paul is hyping up promising ending the Fed, but yeah, can't come through with that and sure it's his intention. And how could he? Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, right. he can't do it alone. And but anyway, so I so I wanted to give Rand Paul a little bit of credit Uh-oh. where credit is due because, you know, he's done something fairly decent. Uh, this news, according to the New American dot com uh, sense of the Senate. This was uh, written just a couple days ago. Sense of the Senate resolution by Rand Paul from Kentucky opposing President Obama's Libyan intervention using Obama's own words as a senator has tied up the U.S. Senate as Democratic Party leaders avoid an embarrassing vote against the leader of their party. 
Paul's resolution had been offered as an amendment to the Small Business Reauthorization Bill, the Rand Paul resolution co-sponsored by a fellow Senate caucus member, uh, says the president, quote, the president does not have the power to unilaterally authorize a military attack in a situation that does not involve an actual or imminent threat to the nation. Now, Senator Obama used precisely that language (laughs) in a December uh, 20th, 2007 interview with the Boston Globe when he was campaigning for the presidency. So they're using his he's using Obama's own quote, the exact quote from then Senator Obama to juxtapose against what President Obama is actually doing. Everything changes once you get in office, you know. Well, he was already in office. Well, he was I mean, a senator in, at the time. In, in, as a president. I mean, that's when it really changes. So President Obama once voted in temporary king. And that's really <laughs> what we've got at this yep. point. Then you can, you know, it doesn't matter what you said before. It was pointed out that Obama neglected to mention any actual or imminent threat to the country in his address to the American people regarding Libya on March 18th. So Paul said that this this was very clear what the president said. uh, And I agree with what candidate Barack Obama said. We should not go to war without congressional authority. These are the checks and balances that give you a say, that give you a say, that give the people of America a say through their representatives. This allows us to say when we go to war through our Congress, not through one individual, but through 535 individuals whom you elect. Since the Paul Lee Amendment was offered on the floor of the Senate on March 30th, as of the writing of this article two days ago, there haven't been any floor votes. So apparently, for whatever reason, him introducing this amendment has completely shut down the Senate. (laughs) Good. Yeah, that's why I say, you know, give the guy credit where credit is due. I I want the Senate shut down as much as possible. Uh, So according to an interview, I guess, on Fox's Freedom Watch show with Andrew Napolitano, he said this at the time on March 31st. Right now, my resolution has basically been taken off the table for three days now. We've had no votes and they're not going to vote again today, maybe because I think they don't want to vote on whether or not Congress should have this authority. They're embarrassed that the president took them to war precisely with the same kind of reasoning that they've always criticized up here because he's doing the same thing that George Bush would have done in that particular case. I don't know. I mean, even George Bush, I, mean, I don't know what George Bush would have done in this circumstance. I, I like I, I think likely what you're saying is true. There was very little time in this Libya situation as opposed to the ramp up for Afghanistan and Iraq. And George Bush, although he didn't get a declaration of war, did get some kind of use of force resolution or something like that from Congress. So he had some kind of authorization from the legislative branch. So. So other than stalling, what is the projected outcome of this? I mean, is this just a question of how long or what it takes for Rand Paul to sell out or the loophole around this? I or? really don't know. I don't know what all the ins and outs of the political theater in, in Washington, D.C. are as to why they can't move forward on something else before they do something with this. Maybe there's some maybe they have to act on this before they can move on well, to something else. Maybe if the this amendment is- has been offered on this particular uh, bill. They can't do anything unless they debate the amendment. So they have to debate this. And what he's saying is they don't want to debate it. So this piece of legislation is ugly and it's, you know, it's stopped. um, It'll force the politicals to come out against and in support of, you know, wars without congressional approval. So they, they can't do that. Absolutely not. So I don't know how this is going to get resolved. I don't know where this is going to go from here. Or... Oh, I'm all for roadblocks, monkey right. wrenches, and That's sand, say. sand in the engine. I, I don't care. Right. This is essentially a monkey wrench from the inside of the system. 
And good for Rand Paul. I mean, the guy deserves credit for this one. So, and maybe he was telling a lie when he was uh, running for political office. It doesn't make me feel good. I don't really feel like I want to support him, you know, for re-election unless he's going to come out and tell the truth next time. Uh, but nonetheless, I think credit should be given where credit is due. So, yeah, I don't. I, you know, like most Americans, I don't remember what the politician said while he was running, particularly. And so all I care about is what he's doing in office right now. And you know, he's turning out to be a, a more liberty-minded senator than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be sort of a, uh, you know, just conservative type. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he's a little more, he's, he's working on these liberty issues, and I think that's great. I'll say bravo for right now, but uh, how quickly they can turn to maybe this is, uh, uh, you know, Rand Paul needs a buyout of some sort. Rand Paul oh. wants on some sort of committee. Rand Paul's Who knows? some yeah. sort of boost, right? I don't trust politicians any more than you do, my friend, right. but I, I will take the politicians that vote liberty 90% of the time over the ones who vote liberty 50 percent of the time i mean i think there's no doubt it's it's at this point it's pretty clear that Rand paul is probably the most liberty oriented senator in washington dc for whatever that's worth exactly and if he can keep doing monkey wrenching like this inside and and prevent these people from moving forward with voting on things then as far as i'm concerned that's a pretty good thing i'd rather have them not doing more than uh than moving ahead with whatever awful plans it is that they have to enact upon all of us right they do have all Plans. And then when they flip flop, it's the more people seeking true liberty and then can find, you know, better outlets. And if this guy, you know, continues to stir things up, it means he'll get more attention. And maybe some of the other liberty oriented things he says will get more attention as a result of that. So we shall see. And uh, we'll let you know if anything else uh, happens. In fact, speaking of the national stage, the threat of a so-called government shutdown still looms for Friday. We'll talk about what that means here in a little bit. Take your calls as well at 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free and bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, and we give you the features there for free. Features including news updates. Get signed up. It will keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to news.freetalklive.com. You can sign up for our email updates. Follow us on Twitter uh, Twitter or Facebook. Go to news.freetalklive.com and get signed up. That's uh, news.freetalklive.com. How does a cruise to Bermuda sound? How about a cruise to Bermuda with Stefan Molyneux, Wes Bertrand of Complete Liberty, and me? This cruise isn't just a convention on the water. It's an unconference where the event is what you want to make of it. There'll certainly be some speeches and a debate. Uh, Stefan Molyneux Wes, and Wes are going to team up and, uh, against me on whether or not voting is immoral. <laughs> that should be an exciting time. But uh, there's all kinds of other things to do on the boat, including shore, shore excursions and that kind of thing. It leaves Bayonne, New Jersey in November, but you need to reserve your berth now. Uh, we've secured some more rooms, but can't promise anything as far as price goes after April the 17th. Uh, the rate right now is $600, about $600, double occupancy. Go to cruise dot freetalklive.com do it today 
cruise.freetalklive.com. All right. So, of course, we'll take your phone calls about whatever you want at 800-259-9231. But there's good news looming in maybe two days from now. There may be an announcement that the federal government, or at least part of it, is shutting down. Too bad not permanently. Yeah. Well, probably not permanently and probably not a whole lot of it either. But nonetheless, this still makes headlines. A lot of people are talking about this. There's big discussion. CNN is really focusing on it. Yeah. Uh, There's a story here that I've got from NPR, which is, of course, the government's official uh, news outlet, (laughs) that uh, the question here is that is answered in this story is how a government shutdown would play out. So here it is from Liz Halloran over at NPR. The nation's military forces would continue working in the event of a government shutdown, senior government officials said Wednesday, but they would be expected to forego receiving any pay until Congress approves a budget for the current fiscal year. Now, that's a pretty big deal. Now, they're not gonna, again, they're not going to shut down the entire federal government. However, the U.S. military is a huge chunk, a huge portion of the government's operations. Especially the discretionary uh, you know, uh, segment. Discretionary meaning... There's discretionary budget and um, sort of the undiscre- non-discretionary budget. Non-discretionary includes Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. Those are entitlement programs. Okay. So in this case, they are basically going to tell every single troop, uh, however many million plus of them there are, there's a lot of people in the, the U.S. military. Keep working soldier or we shoot you. Well, I don't know if it'll get that extreme, uh, but uh, they are going to say, hey, We'd like you to keep working, even though your next paycheck may not be coming. What, what, what do you think is gonna, what do you, how good do you think it's going to be for that soldier that says, you know, no, I'm not gonna. I don't know, Mark. I but, mean, all the other rules still apply. You'll still be AWOL. You'll still be, uh, you know, absconding. You'll still be not, you know, doing whatever work you're supposed to be doing. I mean, I think that's fact, when we see a, a mass uh, direct action where many, I mean, soldiers would walk off. I assume. hope so. Right. That's what I would hope. Now, we've talked about, we've talked to people who've been in the military about this idea of, well, how bad is it if you go AWOL? What, what is the worst that happens? And what we've seen is it's not so bad these days. You know, they aren't going to likely shoot you. No in the back of the head if you do that you may end up having to spend a little bit of time in the brig but overall you'll end up going through some sort of uh, one guy even discharge talked about, talked about it he was not even in the brig he was just on a disciplinary squad so he wasn't even in the brig itself. he had like cleaning toilet duty or something yeah. like well, that. well also right? too i mean i don't know if the examples that we're talking about now compared to what we would what we're talking about here is if they don't get paid a, l- a large amount 50 percent you know majority of the military walking off it wouldn't matter what the consequences; there would be none. I mean, this is yeah, true. Numbers know. make a difference. Right. Numbers make a big difference. I wouldn't expect fifty percent are going to uh, walk away because probably a lot of these guys do want a paycheck, and they'll hope that the government will come through. Well, I mean, if scared. the government doesn't pay ten percent of these guys, I'm saying that maybe uh, they're not going to pay one hundred percent of them. Oh, that's what they're saying. All of them, as I understand it, well, they're basically going to say, "Look, you're going to continue earning your money." But we just can't pay you right now. So just hold off. We'll get you the checks eventually. Don't worry about it. So the longer longer it goes, the more likely people are going to say, screw this. Yeah, and they'll talk among themselves. They'll be like... Hey, you know, I'm <laughs> my family because it's not the it's not the guy who's sleeping on a cot in the uh, barracks that has to worry about it. There's guys with families. Their families are expecting these paychecks. Yeah. Sometimes the wives will stay home. They'll stay in uh, campus housing or whatever they call them, uh, you know, base housing, mm-hmm. things like that. These guys, they've got kids and families that need food. Mm. As I'm saying, I don't think it would take very long because even military personnel are, can live paycheck to paycheck like most. Folks. Absolutely. 
So this will be the most, I think this is the most interesting aspect of this government shutdown. And really the ultimate question is how long this, uh, for, for how long this will go. And of course, the idea that the military won't be getting paid is of course going to be a big motivator to the Republicans. You know, they love their military. So it's likely some sort of a deal will be cut at some point, but how long will it take? And, and this includes like active military, like the people yeah, that are. Man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is how bad it is right. in Washington, D.C. I mean, how, how could anybody, you know, the, I don't I think this would go very rapidly if they're really not going to pay these guys for a week. I, I mean, I appreciate be, the optimism and I right. hope you're right. I hope you're right. I don't know how often do they get paychecks. Is it every two weeks I, or every week? I, I'm with the demo. Um, you know, every every week that goes by, you're going to see soldiers getting to the boiling point. Absolutely. Of, and I don't know. Uh, you know, they're going to be they're going to feel desperate. They're not going to know what to do. Uh, you're going to see up on a plane and get the heck out of there. Well, well, that's the ones that are over there. Right. But you're you've got more more guys, Support more soldiers. Staff. Yeah, more soldiers here in, in the United States than you do over there. Those guys have big problems. They're not going to know what to do. You could be de- deserted soldiers. I mean, they ca- they can't get back. I mean, hopping on a plane and coming back is easier said than done. But if they yeah, haven't been getting would... paid, they probably don't have the. You know, what are they going to do? Just roll into Baghdad and hop on a plane? Yeah, I have no know? idea how they how they would actually go about getting back. Right. But as many as eight hundred thousand. This again, uh, according to NPR, eight, as many as eight hundred thousand plus civilian federal workers, including those employed by the Department of Defense, would be furloughed if the government shuts down Friday at midnight for a lack of funding. I presume that means late late friday night early saturday but it's not very clear friday at midnight could mean late thursday early friday anyway as uh, congress and the white house continued today to negotiate on a budget while time ticks down to the end of the government's current budget authority the officials who spoke on background laid out how a uh, laid out how a shutdown would affect departments and agencies. The Federal Housing Administration, for example, would stop processing loan guarantees, affecting about 30% of the housing market, and the Small Business Administration would stop processing direct small business loans. Tax refunds for paper filers would also be delayed. Yeah, this is one of the things that uh, Obama said is, you know, if you're running a small business and, uh, you know, you're expecting one of these loans uh, to come through, that this government shutdown could be very arduous for you. If you're running a small business and you're small business is hanging by a loan from the government I, you know i mean like hey, not a good you, position you haven't been running your business right it is funny how we look at this differently like people this is like people are afraid of this and i'm i'm yeah. happy this is great like you know crash I, down well, crumble wait burn, a second. everybody life will go on i mean i, I it just, sure will right without the military if they all have off like things will be the same you I, know, it, when, back in the mid 90s this this sort of happened under clinton at one point and That's i right. was you know just the hallelujah choir for the republican party at that point um and I was I was saying, oh yeah, shut it down. As far as I'm concerned, so, you know, no government was uh, good when you wanted small government at that point. I, I didn't see any downside to it. I see. I think there's a lot of Republicans that are happy about this idea. All right. Well, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the number here. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Uh, so it should be very interesting. Hopefully we will see it shut down because, uh, again, still up in the air. may or may not at this point. Uh, we'll give you a little bit more detail on what could happen here in a moment. 800-259-9231. You can take control. Free talk live. How does a cruise to Bermuda sound? How about a cruise to Bermuda with Stefan Molyneux, Wes Bertrand of Complete Liberty, and me, Mark Edge? This cruise isn't just a convention on the water. It's an unconference where the event is what you make of it. The boat has an ice skating rink, rock climbing wall, miniature golf, and much more. The ship leaves Bayonne, New Jersey, this November. But you need to reserve your berth now. They're about $600 double occupancy. Go to cruise.freetalklive.com. Do it today. Cruise.freetalklive.com. 
is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, and we give you the features on our site for free. So enjoy those on us. Once again, that's freetalklive.com, and those features include listening options. We've got live streams, broadband and dial-up versions. Uh, around the clock, you can listen to the latest episode of Free Talk Live there, and uh, you can go to listen.freetalklive.com to do that. Uh, a list of our great radio stations from coast to coast, uh, well over 90 stations, I think 94, I think is our current number. Stations uh, carrying the program at various different times throughout the week are satellite listening options, which now include XM satellite radio uh, all week long, which is great news, and are also our free-to-air satellite uh, KU band uh, channel as well. You can go get those details, plus our webcam and our listen lines that allow you to call in from any phone that can dial long distance and listen that way. Go get all the listening options at listen.freetalklive.com. And if you're looking for medications, Mark, you've got the answer. Right. If you're on prescription medications and you're getting your meds at a local pharmacy, you're likely paying more than you have to. There's a better way. Discount prescription services will get you your meds at discounts as high as 70% off. And they'll deliver them right to your door. All you have to do is go to meds.freetalklive.com. Click Become a member on the left-hand side of the page. There's lots of stuff for you there to read and their awards they've won and things like that. Their customer service is excellent. They test out these drugs to make sure that they're not, uh, you know, you're not getting some kind of counterfeit drugs or anything like that. I've been to their offices. I've, you know, been through the process. It's meds.freetalklive.com. I think you'll, uh, you'll appreciate their customer service, and I think they can meet your needs, whether it's Zetia, Nexium, Lipitor, Ablify, Boniva, Cialis, or Viagra. It's meds.freetalklive.com. So uh, we're talking about the government shutdown that is looming right now. Could be uh, as soon as Friday at midnight, apparently, when they decide to shut down a portion of the federal government. The entirety will not be shutting down, unfortunately. Uh, It's uh, very unlikely that that's going to happen at any point in the near future. But... Nonetheless, it's interesting to look at some of the ramifications of what this does mean. Uh, And so far, the biggest one to me is that the U.S. military members will be asked to continue operating, continue doing what they're doing, following orders and being military members without actually receiving a paycheck. On the speculation that eventually the government will start back up and that they will get their paychecks after the fact. Right, and this amazed me. So during the break, I took a second to uh, do a quick search, and I see in that uh, guys over at C4SS, the Center for a Stateless Society. C4SS.org? Yes, C4SS.org. And uh, they did a good write-up, Thomas Knapp, actually, about government shutdown theater. And uh, you said that they're hoping that they come back to work or that the government figures out its financial troubles. But they have, because it seems that this has happened 15 times you know, over the course of the government's existence. Mm-hmm. And it seems this article written by Thomas Knapp talks about how the non-essential aspects of governments, the ones that we rely on, like you mentioned, housing and other things, with the, the hand-me-outs. Well, I don't rely on those things. Well, excuse me. Yeah. Some folks rely on. Yeah. And um, so those are shut down in order to make an inconvenience for the individual. The Senate and the House, they're going to get their paychecks. Exactly. But they get the day off. Right. So they still get paid and you get without your, your hand or folks who get don't receive their handouts, making an inconvenience for them, but yet strengthening you know the legitimacy of the government, which makes people think that uh, well, this is something that they need, and it's uh, it upsets them when those those things right. aren't available. I didn't get my check in the mail, mm-hmm. right? I can't get my stamps. 
you know. Well, you know, when you when you uh, rely on that check and that's the expectation, you know, no doubt it's going to be a real problem in your life. Relying on the government is not this firm ideal that people people believe the government's always going to be there, always be there to mm-hmm. take care of it. But that's not true. Surprise. It's right. happened 15 times. So from What's- that aspect, it's a little disappointing to see that, you know, all, all you're going to get is the mob who is expecting the handout to be upset about this. Mm-hmm. Then seeing like, see, this is why we need to get back to work. But I do agree with you. The military part is, you know, especially in the midst of a 10 year war that's, you know, soldiers are already tired and sick of fighting or questioning why they're there. Right. To have not being paid on top of it could I mean, that that could ripple. According to Scott Horton from Antiwar.com, we're not in three conflicts. We're in six. You mean the U.S. military? The U.S. military. Because I'm not doing this. Okay, fine. Um, six military conflicts right now. You have to include Pakistan as, you know, it's a separate nation, mm-hmm. even though, you know, it's different sides of the, uh, the, the border there in Afghanistan. There's Somalia and Yemen, apparently. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they have they have more information on that. But uh, that's six conflicts are going through, including Iraq. I wonder what the longest, I mean, the 15 you mentioned is how many times the government has shut down, but I wonder for how long. I mean, what is the longest oh. length of time for which they have shut down? It actually down? didn't mention that in here. It said the record is three weeks. So Okay, well, three weeks is... Three weeks. That's a long time to go without getting paid. Especially when you're in another country dodging yeah. bullets. Yeah, absolutely. So this should be very interesting to, uh, to see how it plays out. And uh, just keep your fingers crossed and hope that uh, that actually happens and they don't come to a deal anytime soon. Bullet dodging, bad job. Very bad job. Yeah, bad job. All right. So uh, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Boy, wouldn't that be great if this budget conflict was what it took to actually end these wars? Like that the military members after enough weeks were just saying, screw this, and they're hopping on planes and they're getting out of there. And all of a sudden the military's down, you know, to 50 percent or, or 25 percent of its original size. Well, I mean, our it's, boys are doing it because they're fighting for our freedom. Yeah, I guess I, we'll find out whether that's true or not. Right. And to, to what extent? I believe ultimately that's what, it, what you know, it take for people to understand the the nature of the government or a government is the i mean 60 percent 70 percent at what point do people realize that they need to stop giving these people money and control over their lives that we can do it better with the free market some other things here according to npr about what to expect as far as what will will continue and what will stop if this government shutdown goes through uh, tax refunds for paper filers with the irs would also be delayed national parks and smithsonian institution museums would close so if you were counting on the government to uh, send you your refund check for your IRS tax refund, well, they don't have any obligation to send it to you anytime soon. And if the shutdown happens, then you can just wait until they come back online. You know, I They'll wish, just hold your money until I, then. I don't know how other people approach it. I know some people get, will get loans against their uh, refund checks and things like that from, from some of the uh, sort of chain uh, tax Like H&R Block, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know how other folks do it. When... I file a return with the and I understand that they're sending money back to me. I just don't even think about it until the check shows up. Right. Well, that's a responsible thing to do. Then it's like found money. Right. So but not very many people are very responsible with their money and they're going to be put in a real difficult situation as a result of this. Uh, so also other things like the uh, National Parks Smithsonian Institution Museums would close. The National Annual Cherry Blossom Festival uh, Parade scheduled for Saturday in D.C. would be canceled. Activities oh, the that w- Cherry Blossom Parade. Now, now there's a government program. Yeah, yeah, everybody's got their favorite. I do like the cherry blossoms. Activities that would continue, they said, include those necessary for the safety of life and protection of property, including the military, law enforcement, air traffic control, and Department of Homeland Security functions. Oh, yeah. But Homeland yet they, Security. But yet they say the military's not going to get paid. So how long that will continue is another question. Telling them to work. 
But Medicare recipients would continue to receive their coverage because it's funded through the program's trust fund and the Veterans Administration would remain open because it operates under a multi-year funding calendar. Other questions. Can you imagine what would happen if they took away the uh, the VA's funding on this one? Like the angry veterans uh, trying to go and get the, their medical care that they were promised? I would think that they would. Oh, my goodness. Some VA centers have been getting shot up and blown up in that particular That'd instance. be awful. Crazy yeah. old veterans trying to get their pills. <laughs> be awful. Other questions answered by the officials. Uh, how would a shutdown affect taxpayers with the approach of the April 18th filing deadline? Answer. Uh, processing of all paper filed returns, which accounts for about 30% of returns, would be suspended. Tax audits would be suspended. Hey, hey, hey. Bonus. Yeah. And uh, returns filed electronically would apparently continue to be processed. Uh, question. What happens to activities of the Environmental Protection Agency? including monitoring of radiation from the nuclear power plant in Japan. The EPA will cease issuing permits and work on environmental impact statements will be slowed, but the agency will continue work deemed to be essential to protect life and property. Uh, question, how will there be or will there be any change in how Social Security claims are handled? The Social Security Administration is still finalizing its plan. During benef- uh, Current beneficiaries will continue to get their benefits as they did during the last government shutdown in 1995. They talk as if all these things run smoothly already. Yeah. You know. Uh, and by the way, that's not a very good answer. They're still finalizing their plan. Current beneficiaries will continue to receive uh, checks, so they claim. Well, who knows what will happen with Social Security? Nobody really knows at this point. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Your thoughts are certainly welcome. Government shutdown looming. Could be as early as Friday night. This is Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated talk show on more than 90 talk radio stations from coast to coast. We've been named Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our 90 plus stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free and take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Give you the features there for free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. Uh, don't forget, if you want to help support this radio program, you may do so by shopping with us over at shop.freetalklive.com. That's where you'll find links to Amazon as well as Newegg. Uh, they are affiliate links. So when you enter through those links, whether you're in the U.S., the U.K., or uh, Canada, or Germany, there's an Amazon link there for your country. You enter through the appropriate link, and then Amazon cuts Free Talk Live a portion of the purchase price. Uh, it's a decent amount of the uh, the profit that they're making on each item they send over to Free Talk Live just because we sent them the business. So you're going to do your shopping online anyway. You probably have already shopped before at Amazon. You might as well just start your shopping through the links that we have at shop.freetalklive.com. Don't forget Super Saver shipping. That's right. You get free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of their brand new items. So start your shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. As uh, we continue here, we'll take your phone calls about absolutely anything. Just a few more thoughts on what's going to happen uh, ostensibly if this government shutdown goes through coming up on Friday. According to NPR, uh, they're going to be shutting down the uh, various different uh, government programs. They claim they'll keep the essential programs online, but even the military will not be getting paychecks 
According to the question here, will the military personnel still be getting paid on time? Answer, they will be paid through Friday and will continue to work after that and earn money, but they will not receive paychecks until Congress approves a spending plan. Uh, They also ask about Medicare. Uh, They say that Medicare is funded at least for a period of time. Other activities such as the work of the Department of Health and Human Services would be suspended. The NIH Clinical Center would stop accepting new patients and would suspend starting new clinical trials. Uh, Clinical trials already underway would continue. How would a shutdown affect civilian workers at the Defense Department is a question. The answer is they would be subject to the same guidelines as other civilian employees, furloughed, unless they are determined to be essential to the safety of life or protection of property. A significant number would be furloughed. Question, what would be the effect on White House employees? The same rules would apply to them as to other civilian employees. Officials say they anticipate slightly lower staffing at the White House and across all agencies. So we will let you know what happens with this. Isn't it funny how they word some of that stuff when they're like, uh, everyone who is not essential to life and property (laughs) will be let go. Why do we have them in the first place? Like if that's government, like it's here, they're not necessary. But yet when things are going, it's ridiculous, right? Why do we have non-essential government services? We are paying for (laughs) non-essential services. It's true. It is an an admission that a, a good portion of the government's own program the government considers a good portion of its own programs non-essential that's like we could look at it and say it's all non-essential because the market can handle whatever so-called essential programs they have but the, even the government is admitting that a, a good amount of its employees let's, are not essential well, it's, it's not essential let's stop it today all right that's right. how confident they are that they have you convinced they're needed let's uh, continue here take your phone calls about what you want uh, clayton is in texas clayton you're on free talk live with ian ademo and mark what do you want to bet with this government shutdown? The DEA is not going to be affected at all. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you are probably right, but people are in danger. The DEA, the DEA saves them. They're they're essential. Oh yeah, we can't allow people to actually own their own property, can we? No, nope. like their yeah. bodies. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, like their bodies. Yeah, I recently just served on a um, jury, and um, juries have really no clue what their um, actual purpose is. Really, I did a little what was bit it? Of research to, what was your story? Well, Where, what jury was the, what, what was the trial? What was the case? It was a grand jury. It wasn't actually oh. a criminal or a civil jury, which uh, makes me say I really don't like district attorneys. <laughs> My first time being on a jury, and it had to be a crappy one. But, um, no, it just, you know, if anybody's ever heard of the Fully Informed Jury Association, you can uh, check that out. But the purpose of a jury is to make sure that the, uh, that the punishment fits the crime or if a crime's been committed at all. That's true. We actually discussed jury nullification last night. For those who have not heard, uh, it is a process that allows a juror to decide based on his or her feelings about a law as to whether or not that uh, a person is guilty. So it doesn't matter if all of the evidence shows that they're guilty of whatever the alleged crime is. If you think the crime itself, the law itself, is a bad thing, like the, the war on drugs, I think that's a very bad thing. Uh, if I were on this somebody's jury and they were charged with uh, marijuana possession or something like that, I would just find them not guilty regardless of what the facts are in the case. That's jury nullification. Um, but that, it's a little different when you're on a grand jury, right? Because on a grand jury... You are being asked to find whether there's a true bill or no bill or something like that, and and that basically authorizes them to move ahead with the prosecution on like a felony charge. Yeah, the prosecution prosecution is basically asking, do we have pos, uh, possible uh, possible cause or probable cause to uh, pursue this uh, 
pursue this case. Mm-hmm. And the bad thing about a grand jury is it only takes nine votes to go ahead with it. It's not like a regular criminal or civil jury, which takes uh, the entire jury to actually convict somebody mm. to continue with the case. They only need nine people to vote a uh, true bill. Is that, this is a true rubber stamp here. I mean, most of them are like, well, the district attorney says that he thinks, he thinks mm-hmm. he's guilty, so well, we'll uh, I guess that's okay. They don't even know why it is they're being asked to say whether or not it's okay. And there's there, it's only the district attorney. There's nobody else there for the other side. And isn't the evidence presented at a grand jury one-sided? It's all the state's evidence, right? The person being accused isn't mm-hmm. even in the room or has knowledge of Oh, yeah, I know. It's basically to where it irritated the crap out of me because the DA kept interjecting opinion, you know, like the bad guys have an opinion of of the police this way and the good guys have an opinion. I'm just like, shut up and present the facts. And uh, during the jury, you know, I actually got into it with the other jurors about um, drug use. I talked to a couple of them afterward. They actually want to talk to me about it. um, How many, before you go on with that story, how many of the cases that were presented were drug cases? uh, There was probably about 12 charges. I can't exactly say how many cases, you know, I'm not going to divulge anything other than, you know, there, there were 12 charges, a uh, couple for possession, but they were all felony uh, felony cases, which bugs the crap on me, because if somebody gets, gets convicted for a felony, they lose their right to vote. Mm-hmm. So, well, it, depends uh, <laughs> on the, it depends on the state. Um, I, mean, there's, I think there's only a, a handful of states that actually take away the right to vote for a person who has a felony. But they do not have the right to defend themselves with a uh, firearm after that. Okay, so it, was it the majority of the cases? Uh, actually, it was probably about 50% of the cases. Wow. Uh, maybe actually a little bit more. It, you know, it's uh, so, pulled over. Police, uh, I mean... Uh, Another one is FletcherRides.org, where people can know what to do during a traffic stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people don't know that you can refuse search of the vehicle, and then are you detaining me or am I free to go? You don't have to wait for the drug dog to show up. You don't have to wait uh, for the officer to bring his partner in. You just ask, are you detaining me or am I free to go? And if they, uh, they either have to detain, detain you or give you a ticket and let you go. So you said you got in a conversation with some of the other grand jurors? Uh, yes. Uh, one of them, uh, I was talking about, you know, drug use and how, you know, prohibition's uh, worse for the, uh, w- worse for people and then helps them. And uh, the basic question was, you know, is it legal? Is it legal? Is it legal? And the point I brought up to get them to shut up was, you know, blacks and whites at one time couldn't be married because of the law. But if you were on a jury and you were deciding one of those cases, or let's say firearms were uh, illegal, would you have the moral authority to be able to stand up for what you believe? And it just it annoys the crap out of me that, you know, somebody can be so hypocritical that, you know, drugs are somebody else's property. They don't like what they do with them. But if somebody went to take away, you know, their firearms or whatever else, they'd be up in a hissy fit about it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's unfortunate people think this way, but that's like the great thing about FIJA Outreach, the Fully Informed Jury Association that we're talking about. That we give it to everybody so that people, you know, and it's talked about a lot throughout the blogs and here on Free Talk Live. Um, can know this before they get there because, I mean, think of showing up to a jury that day, and even if you got a FIJA pamphlet and that's the first time you read it, here you have some people outside telling you you should vote your conscience, what you know is probably right, or your feelings, you can vote on whether or not the law is even of, of value. Um, but you have this guy on a bench who's seated higher than you in a, in a robe that mm-hmm. everyone makes you stand for when he comes into the room, and he tells you that you have to look at the facts and only the facts, and 
this and that, and I give you, you know, direct instructions and, and all these other things. I mean, I could see how it could be just a mess or it's an, for something. It's to intimidating yeah. for people. So what is it like when you're on a grand jury? Because, I mean, like, we all kind of know what a, a jury is like. We've seen them in the television shows, and many of us have had experience. But it's very rare that somebody gets on a grand jury. So, I mean, do, do, are you presenting all these alleged facts, uh, these allegations, and then you go back into a jury deliberation for all of the cases? How does that work? Well, it depends how the other jurors actually want to take it. If they want to do it a case at a time or if they want to group, you know, all the drug cases together or all the assault or all the theft or whatever uh, the other jurors want to do, there's no actual set standard. Or at least there wasn't in the one I was in. So then you come back with the true bill or no bill uh, decision and then they move ahead with the cases. Uh, basically, yes. You write down, you know, how many votes there were for true bill, how many votes there were for no bill. Were you the only dissenter? Did you dissent? Uh, on pretty much all the cases, yeah. I was the only one that dissent. And, you know, I, wasn't, I, I didn't dissent on all the cases. Thanks but. for the call, man. I appreciate hearing from you. And good first stand-up for whatever it was worth. It's Free Talk Live. More. I've started playing a new online game. It's called Mine Things. It's a free online mining game created by a free stater. It's all in your browser. There's nothing weird to download. Your little mining robot guy can mine for you 24-7. You don't even need to be logged in. You compete with other players for resources and a capitalist economy. The virtually mined gold demonstrates the concept of sound money and is exchanged between players tax-free. They even accept bitcoins. Go to MineThings.com and start mining today. It's free. MineThings.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free and bring up whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch here into the second hour of the program. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. Ademo. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Once again, freetalklive.com. Main feature actually allows you to control the content of the site. You go there, you see something uh, maybe online that you you like, you want to share with our other listeners, you submit it as show prep to the freetalklive.com website, and then other listeners get to vote on whether they like or dislike whatever it is that you put up there. And you get to vote on things, too. And the most liked make it to the front page and the top of the website, meaning more people, including us, are more likely to see what you think is interesting. So go and uh, get interactive over at freetalklive.com. As we continue here with your phone calls, also, uh, during the last hour, we talked about jury nullification a little bit. Make sure I had somebody call in who had been uh, had the opportunity to be on a grand jury. Unfortunately, he was the Don't only hear one. hear that every day. Yeah, unfortunately, he was the only one who actually bothered to, uh, to essentially vote for a no bill, which in a grand jury, it's either true bill or no bill, from what I understand. The grand jury's job is to essentially... Uh, back up the, the district attorney and give them the approval to move forward with prosecuting various different felonies. Well, it's supposed to hold the district attorney accountable uh, to the people, but what you're saying is, is in fact what it's turned out to be. Yeah, it, 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 you mentioned it's a rubber stamp, and that's pretty much it because people have been indoctrinated with this belief that the government knows best and that government's rules are all, you know, all the laws that uh, the government has are what's right and what's wrong. It's not your conscience. It's not what you believe is what's right and what's wrong. It's what the government's rules say what's, is what's right and what's wrong. So usually these grand juries will just go ahead and let these uh, district attorneys get away with 
whatever it is they want to. Well, the courtroom setting all in itself is stacked against you with the judge, the prosecutor, and a jury. You know, it's, you're playing by their rules. I mean, if you can get a hung jury, you know, that's a win. So Pretty much. Uh, so we'll get back into the jury issue, Mark, because you've got a jury-related news uh, story about what happened to one juror who, I guess, upset the man in the robe. Yeah. Because that was going to be my question is what happens if you're a juror and because normally when we're in court, we don't ever stand up for these people. When they come in, all rise. We don't do that around these parts of uh, southern New Hampshire. Well, the, the, you folks don't do it. I we, mean, there are, you, you've done it right, Mark. Oh, I definitely don't stand, but I'm, right. I, I'm trying to say. We on this show. We on the show. Okay. That's, I'm trying to make it clear. You say in, this in, room. in southern New Hampshire and I, you know, there's certainly people in southern a New Hampshire. A large number of folks. Yeah. Most people do still stand, but the activists who are people who believe in liberty have not been standing that Most I know. Most people don't give a flying flip at a rolling donut at what goes on in their judicial system that they're supposed to be you know, uh, you know, know, so proud of that the best one in the world, they've never gone to a court, and so they've never bothered to have to stand for a judge. This is true. That's what most people do. But my question was, what if you're on a jury and you don't stand for the man in the robe? Wasn't he in the room first, though? Because uh, yeah. when we were recently at Jim you, Johnson's trial, he was already in the room, and the room would rise for the jury, remember? It's true. The jury does come in uh, after the man in the robe, and then the man in the robe instructs them to sit. So what if you right. sat before he instructed you to sit? Or, or and Sometimes he does leave before them. I would think there would be the, uh, the occasion where the man in the robe may have to like go to the bathroom or something, and he might take a recess, in which case, will they let the jury out every time before the man in the robe leaves? I don't know. Maybe they do. Well, I'm sure that the man in the robe thinks more highly of himself than everybody else, even if it's the juror to people in the panel, and he, right. he would just remove them from the room as he would anybody else if they upset him like they do, or throw them in a the cage. Right, or yeah. contempt of court. Yeah, I'm not standing for him, whether I'm on the jury or anything. I mean, just not going to do it. It's against my religion. I don't believe one man is greater than another. Right. I, I, I don't. <laughs> he doesn't. He may represent the office, but uh, that doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, if he represents the office, then don't I represent the people? I think what would be amazing is if you actually got onto a jury without having to rise for the man prior to that or have this play out in court already because oh, yeah. that would happen probably right away and he would remove you or you would give this is against my religion and then they would remove you mm-hmm. i mean there'd be so many times where he would just remove you so let's continue here we'll take your calls and we'll continue on the the jury issue find out what happened to one juror uh let's go first though to chris in maryland of course you can bring up anything that's on your mind at 800-259-9231 chris what's on your mind tonight yeah, I wanted to talk about the budget and the government shutdown. Yes, sir. Uh, coming up possibly on Friday, I guess late, late Friday night, maybe around midnight, they, uh, there's a possibility that the government, a good portion of it, will be completely shut down and the military members will be uh, told to continue working for, for nothing. Yeah. Uh, first off, I'd like to say I have very serious doubts that the government will shut down. Um, it, it'd be bad uh, publicity for both the Republicans and the Democrats at this point. At least it seems like it would be to me. Um, and secondly, they're shutting down over a difference in opinion over $30 billion. Uh, there's been a few different numbers, but $30 billion seems to be around where it's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's less than 1% of the budget for the year. Oh, that yeah, doesn't... It's it's all uh, even what the the Republicans are, are proposing here isn't really any real cuts. Right, like if it was ten or twenty or thirty percent, I, I think I could I could uh, get behind them. One uh, percent, it doesn't really get me too uh, thrilled with the Republicans. Yeah, this just proves that the Tea Party movement failed, and as of this point, it's dead. Um, there's nobody in the Tea Party uh, apparently caucus, I guess that's what it's called, 
uh, nobody in the Tea Party caucus uh, supporting getting rid of uh, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, the military, the mm. wars, nothing. Right. It's and all those trivial. Are the, those are the places where you have to cut. If you want to make meaningful cuts, you're going to cut into the, the meaningful stuff. I mean, there, there's certainly some waste. There's certainly some fat around the edges. I mean, no doubt. Uh, I'll take cuts in government where, wherever they want to give them, but I, I'm not going to break my arm patting anybody on the back over them. The, the fact is they've got to come out of Social Security. They've got to come out of Medicare. They've got to come out of Medicaid. They've got to come out of the military. Those are the places where the big money is. And, and another thing, these uh, Tea Party Republicans seem to be having quite a bit of influence over the, uh, the budget thing right now. Um, their idea of a stopgap was to fund the military for the rest of the year and fund everything else for the next week. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't seem like a very uh, liberty-oriented thing to do. No. Not, not, a very, not a very Ron Paul thing to do. Anybody who thought these Tea Party people were liberty-oriented, I don't think went to a Tea Party and talked to Tea Party people. But the, the Tea Party kind of got started with Ron Paul, so I can see why it, ha- it has its roots in liberty. It just kind of got co-opted by the Republican Party. And, right. And we saw what the Republican Party did from 2000 to 2006. I mean, that's when I ceased to be so, you know, so very excited, ceased to believe that uh, they, were, they were the answer to our problems. Well, the reason I bring this up is because in my day-to-day conversations, and I bring up libertarian issues a lot, um, as you probably imagine from me calling in the show, um, and it's always like, well, what about the Tea Party? Can't you get behind the Tea Party? Aren't they more to your thinking? No, they're not. They're just not. They're nothing to do with what I think or believe, and they're nothing to do with any real change. Um, I just don't. I, when I when it, Ron Paul first got elected, the first thing I did was to go to the Campaign for Liberty website and sign up. That's how I found you guys. That's how I found Stefan Molyneux. But since then, it's just all gone downhill. And it what didn't take very long at all. No, absolutely not. What happens is the uh, the politicos, uh, the, the you know these corrupt people. They what they see is that the liberty movement is full of fresh young activists, people who are excited about the ideas of liberty. And what happened after the Ron Paul campaign was pretty clear to me. When they started having these so-called Ron Paul candidates, there was like a list at one point of some website of all the so-called Ron Paul candidates, and somebody went and took the time to went uh, to go through all of those uh, 40 led, or so. Led by like Kokesh, uh, Rand Paul, and uh, what was, uh, what's his name in Connecticut? Um, uh, oh, uh, yeah. yeah uh, his dad's in prison for the IRS. Schultz, no. Uh, uh, Schultz. 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 Yes, yeah, Peter, Peter Schultz. Schultz. Yeah, wasn't that the trio? No, there was like forty guys. Yeah, there and, was. There right, was but they, they they led the core. They were like the, the front runners. For yeah, a there, while. there were some. You know, there were, there were some better or some worse ones in there. You could have done worse. There and was most a lot of them worse. Were, were much worse. Oh, absolutely. Most of them were just. They're basically people who were regular old run of the mill Republicans who were kind of new into the game. You know, they didn't have the same name recognition as some of the older, uh, more corrupted politicians. So they were trying to make a name for themselves, and they figured what they would do is they'd call themselves Ron Paul Republicans and get all these uh, Ron Paul people who are young and inexperienced as far as on the political scene is concerned to back them up, to send them money, and to work on their campaigns. That's really all this was about. It was just a big. You know, campaign excursion to try to get some new blood into uh, into these political campaigns. No, I, all you had to do was look at their positions on the issues to know that these people did not understand the ideas of liberty. Most of them. Hey, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. More coming up. Eight hundred. 
When it comes to potential police abuse, the most important place to protect yourself is while driving. FreedomCam.net has a groundbreaking new product that gives you the best all-around protection. The The GPS GPS Black Black Box Box Dash Cam. Cam. This easy-to-use unit has video cameras recording all around and inside your vehicle. It also has a built-in microphone and GPS navigation, which records your driving route and speed. For traffic stops, accidents, and all other driving incidents, protect yourself with the ultimate witness at FreedomCam.net. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free, take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us online as well at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that you'll find there completely free. We've got uh, various different things like our live streams and the uh, the archives as well. You, mean, you can go back to as late as 2006 if you want to go way, way back. You can do that. All of it is free for you over at freetalklive.com. It's the shirt that you use most. It's the white dress shirt. Paul Frederick has it for you in athletic, trim, big, and tall for nineteen ninety-five. The you know, guys, if you're trying to find a white dress shirt that fits you, you can't find one for nineteen ninety-five. You can go to the discount stores and it'll be either too tight in the neck or too big in the waist or too short in the sleeve. Or you can go to one of the places that gets you one that fits real nice and you'll pay a lot more. But you can't get it for this kind of price. There are more than fi- 55 sleeve, uh, excuse me, sleeve fit and collar combinations. You can get free monogramming, too, if you use coupon code TUCK at 1995shirt.com. Again, it's coupon code TUCK at 1995shirt.com. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. Uh, we'll continue here with another jury, or I guess some more jury-related news. What happened to one juror that upset a man in a robe? Uh, but first, we'll go to David, listening in New Hampshire. David, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Demo and Mark. David in New Hampshire. Hello. Hey, David. What's on your mind tonight? I was just going to ask... Um, this is just a question. Um, Rand Paul's coming into Keene... This month, I think. Um, do you all think you might have him on your show, or do you know? I don't know about that. I, Mark had, uh, had brought it up as an option. We certainly had on uh, Gary Johnson not too long ago. Uh, I mean, I'm more. I guess I'm more interested in uh, what Gary Johnson had to say. But uh, right. I don't know. I haven't said no to it yet. But I haven't said yes either. Right. If he doesn't say yes, then it doesn't get done. <laughs> it's like a pocket veto. So just understand <laughs> that he said no until he says yes. Oh, okay. Well, you were giving him some props tonight, so I guess that's a good sign. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I would give him props, but uh, if he were actually here, I would ask him whether he told lies. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if he wants to answer that question. Well, you got a good audience, so maybe he will. All right. Thanks, David. Anything else you Thanks want to share? Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, dude. Appreciate the call. 800-259-9231. What do you think of Damo? Should think, we have the guy on? I think you should have him on. It's great. I mean, uh, I, I, I enjoyed watching Jason throw him some hard balls. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's definitely, I mean, maybe that's when he was campaigning, so he's more right. open. But <laughs> You know, he's not going to want to deal with hard balls for the Liberty community right about now. Well, all right, Mark. Oh, Damo says not... we should do it. So, uh, why don't you see if you can get him in here? But <laughs> Rand Paul, would you like to come and be on our show so that my co-host can throw you a bunch of hard balls? 
You don't have to put it that way. Oh, I'm, exactly, not gonna li- yeah. I'm not going to lie for you, no, my you friend. Don't lie. You don't want me to lie for you, no, do you? No, absolutely not. Okay. Never would I but want you to lie. You tell, just... him, tell him how wide the audience is, how many affiliates you got. Right. I'll do that. You know, he's here to promote New Hampshire, so, you know, you guys are right here. We're on XM now with, you know, potential of millions of, uh, of listeners. Right. And just don't tell him you know anybody from Motorhome Diaries. Rand Paul has no <laughs> problem getting a publicity right about now. If he came on yeah. this show, it would be a favor to the Liberty community. Hmm. Well, I guess it's up to you, Mark, whether you want to do it or not. I'll ask. Leave it in your hands. All right, so uh, let's continue here. Bobby's listening in Vermont. Bobby, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Bobby in Vermont, going once. Hi. Hey, Bobby. How you doing? Hey, great. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, it's easy to take a request here. Uh, I want to request that you have a spokesman, maybe from somebody from Normal. Normal, the or national. Maybe, or, or, maybe, or better yet, how about Cheech and Chong? <laughs> Tommy hey. Chong. Uh, Absolutely. Normal is the national organization for the reform of marijuana laws. And I don't know. You, you know, this isn't really a guest-based show. That's the thing. See, that's why I'm normally very reticent to have guests on the program. Mark, however, does his own interview series uh, on our podcast. So, in fact, Mark, you interviewed somebody tonight. I don't know who it was. But... Yeah, it was a guy named uh, Michael. Um, shoot, the last name just escaped my. Escaped me. <laughs> nice job. Darn it. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, that, that's not the reason why I call. I was okay. just trying to just be funny. I wanted to bring up a couple of important things that really need to be talked about, and I'll try and make them as brief as I can. All right. Okay. Um, obviously, everybody is aware of that, you know, the country's broke and stuff like that. But and here we have, you know, uh, governments that want to close this down and close that down and stuff like that, and they claim that they don't have any money. Well, you know, there's a lot of archives, and you know, and, and you know, places that are in not just only in New Hampshire, but throughout the United States, where they have expensive paintings, you know, uh, memorabilia that's really expensive. If they can't come up with the money to, uh, you know, take care of uh, of the people of the United States, then. Why not have an auction? Hey, that's a great idea. I mean, they are talking about shutting down the Smithsonian and other government-run museums. Why not auction off all that stuff? You know, there is there is people that are out there that do have money. But I mean, if this is what you know what they got to do, I mean, I would think that this would be the responsible thing to do. Excellent point. And what was the other issue you, know, you wanted to share? Now, the other thing that I wanted to mention too is that you know I I. I Continuously keep watching the media on the TV, news, and stuff like that. And I'm seeing that uh, we're seeing a lot more familiar faces or a lot more important people that are in the limelight when it comes to, you know, them committing crimes and stuff like that. What do you mean, like Lindsay Lohan? I mean, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, meaning that, like, for instance, we have public officials that are stealing money. You know, uh, there was a woman over in Vermont that worked at the child support office that stole hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was over over $100,000, yeah. Yeah, this has been going on for uh, a long time. I mean, as long as I've been alive. Right, but but what I'm saying, the point of what I'm trying to get to is that, you know, there's a lot of other people out there that have dirt on other people. And, you know, and all this corruption stuff that's being hidden is all going to start to funnel out, which is what we need to see. I agree we with that. We need to see it happen. 
more the more corruption that comes out, the better, as far as I'm concerned, because people need to keep. Apparently, and Bobby, thanks for the call tonight. Apparently, people need to keep getting beaten over the head with this idea that government is essentially equivalent to corruption, that you can't not have a corrupt government. And I think there's still a lot of people are still of this fantasy. They believe this fantasy that if they just elect the right people, that that'll all be okay. Right. Unfortunately, until it, uh, government affects them directly or somebody that's very close to them in their lives, most just go on assuming everything's okay and it's needed. Toll-free number here tonight, 800-259-9231. So to go back real quick to the guests uh, portion, uh, we do we have had guests on the show in the past, and there are special times when we will when we'll do that. So like when Gary Johnson was here actually physically in New Hampshire, we figured we'd, we'd bring him here to talk to him, and it turned out to be a really good interview. Um, and the guy, you know, he gets it on the war on drugs, and he gets it on a lot of issues, so good on him. Right, he's the um, most vetoing governor in the, the history of, like, the United States. Yeah. Um, so... I like to put the outstanding folks on and instead of just like we could have normal on the National Organization for Reform of Marijuana Laws. But what is it they're going to tell us that we don't already know? Yeah, I don't know about some of the organizations, like, you know, the policy heads talking, but I think it's good to grab a figure every now and then, whether they're political or not, and stick them on. Yeah, we'll do a handful of interviews every single year. But overall, I think we probably only had a, several dozen over the you know eight years that we've been doing this uh, this program, eight or nine years that we've been doing this. It's a call. It's, it's called free time. Talk live for right. a reason. It's a caller-driven show. It's right. not an interview-driven show. We want if you somebody to be wants on to phones. do the interview-driven Liberty show, they're welcome to do it. We've got three hours a night doing this. More come up. Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Boost Kit Essentials Nutritionally Complete Drink. Providing your picky eater with essential nutrition and great taste in one drink. Visit us at kitessentials.com. To make sure your kids eat healthy, follow the five-a-day plan. Serve three servings of vegetables and two servings of fruit daily. Remember, a serving could just mean a piece of fruit or a half cup of veggies. If your kids are picky eaters, ask a nutritionist about other sources. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And we give you the features on the site for free. So head over there. Enjoy those on us. Uh, freetalklive.com features, including our bulletin board system, allowing you to get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners over at bbs.freetalklive.com. BBS. FreeTalkLive.com. Free Talk Live, we talk about uh, investing in gold and silver, whether it's a, a hedge against inflation, you know, the, the Federal Reserve printing all that money, or as a barter currency in case things go really south, or just an investment. I mean, there seems to be a bull market in, in gold and silver right now. And I... I have uh, set up a website uh, with, in conjunction with Midas Resources, and that's our syndicate here, in order to give you some very special rates and an easy way to compare between gold and silver coins for yourself. Uh, go to gold.freetalklive.com. Check out, check out what we have there. Check other places on the Internet. See if we don't have the best prices for you. It's gold.freetalklive.com. A little bit of advice. Uh, shipping is the same for one coin. It is for 20. So get something that you can get 20 coins of. It's gold.freetalklive.com. All right. So let's continue taking your phone calls about what you want. Punchy's listening in Athens, the WAIS in Ohio. Hello, Punchy. Punchy? Uh, what's up, fellas? Hey, you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Well, you guys were talking about grand juries earlier, and it reminded me I served on a grand jury a little while back. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I've served... That I thought I would see uh, if you guys have heard a lot 
you know, in uh, most of these cases were drug possession cases. Uh, memory serves, it was like 30 out of 37 of the ones we heard were for Jeez. possession. That Yeah. And uh, anyway, almost every time the story was something like, you know, I pulled the person over for speeding or hitting the white line or, you know, whatever. And I asked them if there was anything, any weapons in the vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. And the person would say no. And then they say, and then I asked if I could just look around to verify that for my own safety, you know, and then I looked around and found this or whatever, you know. Like a joint in the ashtray or something. Right, or whatever it was. And, you know, I heard this same kind of thing over and over and over, you know, and it made me think, you know, that it was so like a like a policy almost to ask these two questions. And when you think about it, it's it's kind of a like a psychological little trip, you know, that you say no to the first question, like, no, there's no, you know, nothing illegal in here mm-hmm. or whatever. And that means, you know, negative no, right? And then the right. next question is, so do you mind if I look around? No means I don't mind, meaning, yes, you may go ahead and look around. That's a great point. It's kind of a similar uh, trick that they use in sales, Mark, where you get people to say yes to a bunch of questions. It's called a tie-down. That way they'll say yes to, yes, I'll buy your product or service or whatever. Yeah, they'd like to have more customers through your door, wouldn't you? Yes. Well, you know, advertising works, don't you? Yes. You know, that kind of thing. Exactly. That's why I try to tell people, like, through coplock.org and some of the videos we do there is ask, when you're asked a question, return ask it with a question. question. Back. Exactly. You know, do you it's mind? It's tough. If, it's, it takes practice. It does. Right. So, you know, like, if they ask me, do you mind if I look around? I'd be like, am I legally required to allow you to look at my if they vehicle? Ask, if they ask you if uh, you've got a weapon on, um, on you, you say, do you have one on you? That would, I mean, that would work as well. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a good point. I mean, you know, yeah. these, these guys do not operate as though they are your equals they operate as though they are your superiors if they ask you for your driver's license shouldn't you be allowed to ask them for theirs i mean for god's sakes these guys with these silly blue lights in their cars could be driving around without their driver's license i don't like the question am i legally required because frequently their answer to that is going to be yes and then well then where do you go from there well for me i go with if they say yes i'd ask them to show me that statute or they won't do that no right but then at least then i mean like the case where pete and i had in denver colorado which uh, folks can see at liberty on tour.com slash denver um we were arrested for asking questions about ids they came up and said can we see your id am i legally required to do so yes well can you show me the statute no, I don't have to. You were doing this. Well, so I'm just asking questions, and they end up arresting us for failure to ID. I mean, if I had taken that to court, I could probably have argued that I never refused to ID myself. I was merely asking questions, you know, so it could set yourself up for a defense. Would- also, you, you, you could tell them, look, I wasn't driving the such and such because you weren't, you know, driver's license is for driving. It's, you know, you, you don't, aren't legally required to have an ID on you. Well, wait, 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 what, what circumstance would that be for? I don't or, know. If you're, if you're walking along the street, look, I'm not driving the sidewalk. Right, 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 you're right. not actually operating a motor vehicle. Absolutely. Anytime a cop approaches you and you're not actually behind the wheel of a car, you have no obligation to hand right. them any sort of identification. That, that doesn't mean you won't get arrested. James Cox down in Florida was arrested in Ybor City for being on the side of the road and videotaping the police when they didn't like that. So you always have to understand that any amount of non-cooperation with the police is always going to have the risk of you encountering a rogue officer who will go ahead and just you know, charge you with disorderly conduct or some other nonsense that you'll still have to deal with down the road and that'll suck. But you still have to stand up for yourself because if you don't, then how can you expect anybody else to do it for you, etc.? But I think two of the most important questions that you can ask is, or are rather, 
am I being ta- uh, detained and am I free to go? So if a cop asks, hey, do you mind if I take a look around your car? Yeah, uh, you, you could respond something effective. I've got other things to do. Am I being detained? Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's the best advice you can give anybody who doesn't interact with police on a more regular basis because, yeah, they'll trip you up. They'll, they'll use tactics like you guys were discussing before you. And the best thing you can say is, am I, am I, be, am I free or am I being detained? You yeah. know, so uh, definitely a good piece of advice. But, you know, no doubt, Punchy, are you still there? Yeah, man, totally. Interesting observation of how you, you made the, the note that of these 30-plus cases, the cops came at it the exact same way every single time because they know what works. They know that people are obedient, and they know that people just want to get it over with, and they know that people are afraid to stand up to uh, to them, and they are essentially on a big fishing expedition, and they know that if they ask the, the right questions, that people will just cede their uh, their authority, they will cede their, their vehicle to them, and they'll be able to, uh, to fish around, and, and that will result in, as you've seen, you know, 30 people being charged for, uh, for something that never harmed another human being. Yeah, man. And, you know, on the notion of grand juries in general, another interesting thing that kind of occurred to me during the whole process was how, you know, on the one hand, it's just kind of absurd. And on the other hand, it seems like it has the potential to be such a very valuable and tremendous thing to have, right? Because essentially what it seems like is that the scenario is that, you know, the, the the forces that be, you know, the weight of the state cannot descend upon someone, a citizen, until another group of citizens say, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, it so sounds that- great until you realize that the government has been so effective in cutting us up into little groups that, you know, don't really care about the other group that, uh, you know, we're not in contact with our community any longer, if we ever were. Yeah, well, and that's what I mean by, on the one hand, you know, you look at it philosophically, and it seems like, wow, that's a really great idea that, you know, they make the laws, they enforce the laws, but before they can really apply them, they have to gather up some of us and and say, hey, we want to do this, what do you say? But the way they present it is kind of absurd, because basically, you know, it's like the district attorney is like, okay, we want to indict this person with possession of this. Here's the guy that arrested him. What happened? I pulled him over. I found the stuff. And then they just say, so the question to you is, did the person possess the thing or not? You know, not how was it obtained or, you know, this and that. They'll say that's for the trial jury to decide. The question is, did the person possess it or what have you? You know what I mean? So they make it. Yeah, they they make it dumb. They dumb it down for the the individual. I guess they say, "Was he holding this at this time?" Yes. You know, even you, even though you don't think there's anything wrong with holding the actual object. Yeah, and I, I was kind of grilling this one guy at one point because uh, you know <clears throat> it just seemed like the whole scenario he was depicting to me was just ridiculous. I didn't really see the guy's grounds for even talking to this person in this particular case, let alone going ahead and arresting them for something. And at one point, you know, the district attorney guy, you know, he was like, I just wanted to point out, you know, you can ask them whatever, you know, and they have to answer. But, you know, you're not here to decide questions of, you know, constitutionality or, yep. you know, gathering they put of people in a little box. Like- they put people in a little box and yep. they say, you stay right there and you do as we say, do as we will tell you. And most people will do it because they're right fighting. On. Punchy? Guess he's gone. Thanks for the call, dude. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Plenty of time for your thoughts, your calls about what you want. You can take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. Whether you want to share your jury experiences, if you've got them, or anything goes. This is Free Talk Live. 1-800-259-9231. 
DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Dial in toll-free. Take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. Hello, Demo. And Mark. Demo, he's new at this. Give give him a break. Actually, Demo's here from copblock.org tonight, and uh, you're also part of libertyontour.com, although the, uh, the tour has kind of stopped for a while here in Keene, New Hampshire. At least as as far as I understand. Yeah, for a little bit. Right now we're working on these Massachusetts case. We just recently uh, revamped coplock.org, so it has a new forum and layout. Folks can go over there and check it out. Yeah, that's uh, what I wanted to focus on uh, was coplock.org. It's it's certainly a, a much wider attraction kind of a site than, than Liberty on Tour. Liberty on Tour, clearly something targeted at the Liberty community. Exactly. At the Liberty community, it's targeted at voluntarism, you know, uh, getting rid of the government and, you know, having a society with uh, free exchange. So coplock.org is broad. It's more focused on the people who, you know, oppress us more directly in our lives every day. Than right. There are, the a lot of, lines. there are a lot of people that have been oppressed by the police in various different ways. And so coplock.org is a real resource for those folks. I mean, what are people going to find when they go to coplock.org? Well, our idea with the revamp was simply to, you know, have it navigate easier and bring a lot more content to the actual page. Uh, so I think we've done that, but I, the idea, the goal behind Coplock is to be a tool for everyone to use. We want people to send in their stories. We want everyone mm-hmm. to talk and show how they hold police accountable or how the police have abused or oppressed them in their life. And then through through all that, people can educate themselves on what the police really is, and we can talk about what the issues are to solve that. You know. So you just went through a major redesign. The site looks great. Uh, it's definitely a, a, a big step in the right direction, and you added a, a new forum feature as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the uh, keys to getting to the goal. We were talking about getting people to share their stories and, and talk about it, so people can go into the forums, they connect with others in their area, they can talk with some of the 11 other contributors there at CopLock mm-hmm. and get feedback, and together we can build a network that can really help. You know, I mean, the CopLock right now is a perfect example of a decentralized organization, and that's what people are going to find there in the forums and ways to get things done. I mean, uh, Pete Air and myself, we put a lot of time in there, but we've got a lot of great folks. Like I said, we got 11 other contributors. Uh, Blake Imason was helping us out do, doing the redesign. And uh, Clayton, who actually called in a little while ago, is one who helped us do our banners and stuff like that. So spontaneous Fantastic. order, folks stepping up. And like I said, it's a great site. For uh, our activism to highlight, but as, as well as everyone else's. If, you know. Yeah, I was just looking over at uh, Alexa the other day, Alexa.com, which ranks websites, and you guys are in the top 400,000 sites. I mean, and it's a relatively new site still, right? I mean, it's yeah. only been around for like a year or so. Year yeah, we just passed a year last February, so... So that's Brand pretty new. good. It's, it's actually doing better than Free Keen, and Free Keen's been around for three or four years. Uh, so. Free Keen's geographically it's, sir, it's cer- certainly more uh, niche. However, uh, Free Keen, I was comparing around, like, Free Keen is the most popular... New Hampshire-based, liberty-oriented site. I couldn't find any other sites besides the Free State Project that were actually more popular than Free Keen, except for Copperock. Right. Yeah, well, we, we're everywhere. The police are everywhere, I guess, so yeah. like, that helps. So we got a great folks over there, You too, guys are so. doing great work over there. Copblock.org. We continue with your phone calls and go to Rick listening to WTAR in Virginia. Hello, Rick. Hey, hey how y'all doing tonight? Hey, just great, Rick. What's on your mind? 
Y'all got a perfect show topic for me tonight. I mean, you have them every night, but tonight especially because three times within the past four months, um, I've been stopped walking my dog by the Williamsburg, Virginia Police Department and asked me for my ID for no reason at all. Mm. Um, the second time, I ended up questioning them about it, you know, about why do I have to show you my ID? And they told me that, um, you know, in the state of Virginia, that you're required to carry your ID on you at all times. Man, I mean, how how bizarre is that? I I I don't think most Americans would even believe you if you told them that uh, you know it may it may or may not be true, right? Like they can lie if they want. Um, there's, mm-hmm. there's no one's going to go after them. But if if you told most Americans that they that you were required to have your papers with you at all times, I mean, it's not like you're driving the dog. What do you need a license for? Right, exactly. Well, I mean, my, my situation is, is I work in my, you know, 4 to 12 midnight shifts, so when, usually when I walk my dog, it's usually about 1 o'clock in the morning, so sure. I guess evidently to them it's suspicious. But Because yep. burglars the bring their the dogs all the time. Happened. Burglars love dogs. <laughs> right. Well, the worst thing that happened to me two months ago, the last time they did this, the third time, I've never had this happen to me before. I'm walking my dog down the street from my house. There's a little wooded area where I let him go take a crap at. Uh, he's about, you know, I got a 20-foot leash, so he's, I got my back facing the street, and he's walking down to the woods. Well, two women caught, one in plain clothes and one in full uniform, jumped out of the car. They're about maybe 30, 40 feet from me, and they screamed, um, let me see your hands, let me see your hands. They're looking at me from behind. So I got a leash in my one hand, so I throw my hands up in there, and they said, drop whatever's in your hand right now. They couldn't see there was a dog leash. They couldn't mm-hmm. see my dog. Well, you're lucky and you didn't so get I shot. Said, it sounds like the right, officers are the ones being suspicious. What were they doing in a parked car in a, a lot or by a park yeah, so late they, night? They, they went up to me with four guns out, pointing at me, told me get on the ground and everything, until wow. they got up about five feet away from me, and then they realized I had a dog and a leash or whatever. I mean, they were apologetic about it. They just said, you know, the, all they could see was something was in my hand. But I mean, just so crazy. Them, it's a guy in the woods in the dark with something in his hand, and they draw down on him, right. <laughs> and, right. they, and they think it's a natural reaction or a justified reaction. Right. Well, they told me that in state of Virginia, it's, um, well, I said the second time I started getting, because, I mean, I'm getting fuming right now because I can't stand cops. The second time I started questioning about asking me for my ID, and they said, like you said, it's, um, if, they, if I don't show my ID, it's disorderly conduct, and they can take me to jail. So I had my choice, either show my ID or go to jail. So I didn't have a choice. But well, I was going to ask if you I had a to... camera, but it sounds like if you had a camera, they probably would have shot you thinking that was a gun. But uh, <laughs> exactly. I, I know a lot of the times with some of the advice that I give with people that interact with police, um, they're like, oh, I tried to do the exact same thing and it didn't work. And I'm like, well, did you have a camera or anyone filming you? And it's like, no. So, you know, you can sit there and answer their questions with questions and end up in a jail cell and two questions without a camera. But sometimes they'll play along with you a little longer. Or, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have Pete around most of the times when I'm doing these things or other uh, New Hampshire activists. And they can't do that as easily whenever, when rows behind rows of people have cameras and it's going to get out no matter what. Well, I just think it's invading the privacy. If you're, you're minding your own business walking down the street, that you have a right to privacy for somebody not to Absolutely. come up and ask you for an ID for no reason at all. There's know, no doubt about it. You know, ID. I was I was noticing, uh, Ademo, that you're, you're kind of my roommate right now as well, <laughs> and uh, you, you're reading the You and the Police book by, or at least you have this book, You and the Police by Boston Tea Party, and this was like the first book that I ever read about the police many, many, many years ago, and it's a great book. I don't know if it's been updated in the last decade and a half, though, um, but even in that book, it points out, it tells you the difference between a contact and when they pull you over. 
like when you get pulled over, that's supposedly when the only time they're supposed to be able to require you to show ID. Now, again, maybe they've changed the laws. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. This isn't legal advice. But it's my understanding that if a cop contacts you, which is that is they, they come up to you on the street and start asking you questions, you have the right to just walk the F away. Just ignore them. And not, not if they're hold- they've, they've got a gun on you. What are you going to well, do? Right. Though? Clearly, if they're using violence, then that changes uh, how that game is played. Uh, but you don't even have any. Uh, I mean, how do they even know you're understanding what they're saying? Right. I mean, you could be deaf. Uh, you could be exactly. you know, speaking another language. Yeah. I mean, it's just They'll figure that out when they do the autopsy. Well, right. yeah, I was going to say they actually shot. What was that in Austin or somewhere in Texas where a cop actually shot a guy who was whittling wood? That was, uh, was uh, Seattle, Washington. Yeah, Washington. Oh, OK. Right. Yeah. So well, let me I just say one more thing. Um, sure. My daughter works for nine one one. She's an operator for nine one one, and she had told me um, that the law in Virginia is that if a cop walks up to you, they can't. Or the cop cannot walk up to you unless they have your your permission. They have to say, "Can I speak to you for a minute?" And you're, they she said, "I'm allowed to say no. You can't. I'm walking on. That's you're right. To walk away from them. That's right. So, Most I mean, of the time, these cops are making stuff up and call their bluff. And in that case, maybe it would be the right thing for, like Adamo suggested earlier. Well, what is that law? Can you please cite it exactly for me? I'd like to uh, get your business card, have you write down on the back uh, what the exact <laughs> statute is. Right, and that's why I, I gave that advice is because when I'm saying that, I have a camera, and I'm going you know, to highlight how they come up and demand the, your compliance of such law. But they can't tell you what that law is. Right. So apparently you also have an obligation to even have an ID because not everybody drives and not everybody, therefore, has a government driver's license. Now, there are also government IDs that you can go and get that are not driver's licenses, but nobody, not everybody has those. If you're just going to walk around from place to place, you don't ever plan on buying any alcohol, then there's no real reason to have a, a government right. ID at all. And the officers right. can be using this as just a tactic to, you know, harass people, give you a ticket. I mean, when I was 15 years old, I got a ticket for not having an ID. I didn't even, couldn't even have a driver's license, but they gave me one for not having my high school ID on me. Because our high school <laughs> oh, just started wow. that. It was just a joke. And they just didn't like that I was out there and I gave them lip. Yep. It got thrown out when I got to court, but there's no repercussion for that officer to not do that to, other, to others of my friends, which he did. Right. And, right. and, and there's no, exactly right. So there would have been nothing to stop them from arresting uh, this gentleman here, Rick, and, and uh, charging him with disorderly conduct. Right. Even if it gets thrown out later on, right. they don't suffer any kind of uh, any negative uh, Just aspects. a lie to say, Rick, you're call, doing call wrong. Lawyer fees. Exactly. Well, it might. I mean, I wouldn't recommend hiring an attorney on, on things like that, uh, because in a lot of cases, they will just toss it right out before uh, the court date. But then again, you never know. Who knows what they'll it try to my do. my time. They have to go through court. have to take off work. It and sure all as hell does. Stuff, that's so. for sure. Yep. And that's why people just keep going along with this stuff. That's why th- people are so afraid of losing their money or their time to these or their lives uh, in, these, in these instances that they'll just go along to get along rather than question the police. And so therefore, they keep getting away with it. And because they keep getting away with it, like a, any old bully, it empowers them to keep doing it. Thanks, Rick, for the right. call tonight. I appreciate yeah, hearing from yeah, you, man. the best show on radio. Thanks, thank all. You. Thank you so much. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. We do our best. And uh, Hour 3 is next, so you can take control. You can bring up anything you want at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. And now it's time for Letty's Easter Countdown, the part of the radio show where Letty comes out and counts down. 18 days left before Easter. If you're going to go out of town on Easter, remember to leave a forwarding address for the Easter Bunny. It doesn't matter where. He'll find it. 
This has been Larry's Easter Countdown. Tune in tomorrow for another Easter message. VeggieTales presents Twas the Night Before Easter. Get ready to celebrate the season and discover what helping others is really all about. I've been working on an Easter-themed musical. Up with bunnies. We need a star. Cassie Cassava. She's big time. It's an all-new Easter adventure full of bunnies, music, and love. Featuring American Idol finalist Melinda Doolittle as Cassie. Helping one another. Veggie Tales was the night before Easter. Available at Walmart, Family Christian stores, and retailers everywhere. Own it today on DVD. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything you'd like. Third hour. That's what we're kicking off here. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. A demo. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231 is the number for you to take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. You, of course, can bring up anything you want. That is the point of this program. Still to come, Mark, you uh, haven't gotten the chance yet to tell us a story about the man who was assigned to indefinite jury duty. We'll explain what happened. Uh, But first, apparently you've assigned a gender change to this person. Oh, a woman who was uh, assigned to uh, indefinite jury duty. See, we'll, what, see what they, you know what they say about assumptions. Indeed, it makes an ass out of you and me. So uh, we can you. Thanks. Uh, we'll continue here with your phone calls. First, though, uh, first we go ladies first to Allie calling Mama Allie rather calling from uh, Tennessee. Hello, yep. hello, Allie. What's on your mind tonight? Hi, Ann. You were talking about jury trials and stuff earlier, so I thought I'd give you guys a call and let you know that I will not be going to jury trial. Um, and at first I was really upset about it. Um, my case has officially been put on dead docket, but a very good friend of mine said that I should be happy about that. And now that I've had time to talk with my attorney and figure out everything that goes with that. It is as close to a win as they are going to give me, and I should be grateful for it. So and I just wanted to let's bring your bring case back tomorrow. around here and explain what you're talking about. Is this the case you're referring to where you were at a gas station and you saw the police harassing some uh, this homeless guy? You pulled out a video camera to attempt to document this to help hold the police accountable, as Adamo was talking about last hour. And that's when they attacked you, or one of the police officers attacked you. Right. Yeah, two of them did. And, you know, it it was a bad deal. It cost me 55 days of my life, and everything in my life got liquidated while I was in jail. But... And what were what were the yes, charges? Nothing, nothing will happen. The charges were assault on a law enforcement officer, obstruction of justice, and resisting arrest because I didn't help them arrest me. And what is it? So, what, and now it's on a dead docket, which means and now what? It's on a dead docket, which means um, they're they're not going to give it to me. They're not going to let me go to jury trial. They have talked to my attorney, and apparently she feels like this there's, was another alternative that's kind of like dead docket, except you can't do anything with it. It's in their hands, but dead docket is in our hands, whereas in six months she'll be able to um, have it dismissed completely. So 
So what about the 50-plus you know, days that you spent in jail? I mean, <laughs> nothing's going to happen there, that's huh? A great, that's a great question. What about all the stuff I lost while I was in jail? That, those are all really great questions that I will never get answers to. No. Um, we were scheduled for a jury trial, trial on January 11th, two days before trial. The DA called because he wasn't ready yet. Because there is other footage out there other than my footage. There mm-hmm. was footage from the convenience store that a detective went and retrieved um, to cover their ass mm. in an internal because. If they took the footage, then they could say that that footage is involved in an active internal affairs report, so they don't have to turn the footage over to the court. Oh, of course, in order to protect their own. Right. And so they got that footage, but then the DA realized that, I know for a fact that that footage is out there, and so two days before jury trial, he's like, well, we're not ready. We need that footage. Mm. And, you know, and I was fine with that because it was only going to prove my side even more because she backed me right into the line of sight of those cameras. So I was actually looking forward to the footage, sure. not only personally, but, you know, in civil court, that would have helped me tremendously. But because they pushed it off so long, you only had six months to file an anal item with the city to take civil action for something that's been done wrong to you. Mm-hmm. And because they pushed it so far in court, they pushed it past that six months and then they stuck it on dead docket. And, Incredible. of course, it's been a very frustrating situation, especially considering everything that I lost. But, I mean, considering that, uh, you know, a lot of people are really going up before jury trials and going down anyways, I, I should count my blessings. And I am, and I want to send a lot of love to everybody that su- supported me through all of this. I know a lot of things got patchy and crazy, but those who had faith in me, you know, I really, really appreciated it, and I just want them to know that it's over. It, you know, it's as over as it's ever going to be. A, this is a true statement. There's no doubt about it. I'm glad that you didn't have to go and spend more time in jail or who knows what after the fact. I mean, it's. I suppose yeah, it could have been worse. Grateful. I'm also very grateful that I spoke up in court, because had I left it to my retarded public defender, I would be on all kinds of retarded probation and everything else right now. So if hmm. I would have you know, I I took, I technically took the plea deal. I could get out to my little girl after spending 55 days in jail, and they threw the plea deal out. The judge threw the plea deal out because he realized something was wrong. Because at the end, I spoke up and was like, "Look, I can't." My attorney wasn't saying anything. He was shoving the plea deal down my throat yep. too with the DA. That's what so, his job is. So, okay, so, so how is this? How has this left you now? Because you say it's behind you. Like now, your next interaction with police officers has. Because obviously, it seems to me that their intention here is to deter you from filming in the future, knowing that most of this wouldn't stick. So, how, were they successful in that, or how do you feel today about filming a, a police encounter? You know, whether they give me credit for it or not, I happen to know my staff was in the streets of Savannah for St. Patrick's Day, and as soon as they pulled out their cameras, cops were backing off and hushing, oh, look, look, there's a camera. So it did make an impact, and whether they give me credit for it with a not guilty, then I, I don't really need that. I'm glad they got it. They got the damn point, and people are safer in Savannah today because of it. Good on you. And you know, sometimes that's all it takes is one person to, to make a stand for the ideas of freedom. Say that again? What about your daughter? I really can't talk about that right now. It's unsettled and okay. 
it's 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 a, it's a rough subject right now. So anyway, Absolutely. what I was going to say is that uh, good on you for that because all it takes in many cases is one person to to make a stand for freedom for the uh, the police, like you said, to get the message that other people might be right. as serious as you are, and that maybe you aren't the only person out there who's going to be willing to record their actions and do their best to hold these maniacs, these out of control sickos, uh, power mongering freaks accountable. And I'm not saying all police are that way, but uh, a lot the of ones them sure that'll are. charge somebody with assault because they threw them on the ground <laughs> you know that's yeah. that that's a power hungry yeah like, and grabbed your camera and threw the camera yeah, yeah, as well it was, it was a really bad deal you guys don't understand my knees still hurt mm. from that you know i mean it, it, was, it was a bad deal all the way around but you know i i really do feel good about the fact that you know i, I I'm, a, I'm a pretty tough cookie you know and i took it whereas a lot of people couldn't and now the people in savannah they the reaction to the camera isn't going to be out of fear and jump and attack like they did to me anymore. Now they're backing off. And they're, you know what I mean? The instant reaction was because they weren't used to cameras there. They've never had anything yep. like that in that city. It's no true. one questions the good old boys in Savannah. Yep. It doesn't happen. Yep. And the now first... that I have done that, they are looking at, you know, instead of jumping and attacking and being scared, they're, they're, they're stopping and they're looking at it. Now, they're thinking twice. Which I think but it is a process. I mean, the Keene police here in New Hampshire are by far the best I've seen across the country, but it couldn't have been always that way. How long do you think it took them to get accustomed to that? I can tell you in 2006 or 2000, early 2007, when I tried to film the police, they um, they just had a fit. So, you know, right. that was before they did didn't the take long. Yeah, it didn't take too long. But Right. That's, that's, what I, that's the point I'm getting at. Is it doesn't take too long because, I mean, the camera doesn't lie. Your accounts are on camera. So It takes those first two, few people to, uh, to stand up and, and do the right thing and then uh, you know th- th- then the cops kind of learn thanks uh, mama Allie. i appreciate the call and the update tonight and i wish you the best down there in uh, tennessee and thank you for the call tonight at 800-259-9231 but you got to keep doing it you know you've got to continue the the use of cameras don't let it die down and mama Allie's no longer in savannah i hope that that she's not the only one who was in savannah who was willing to do something like this exactly yeah you, you got to keep going at it and that's why i asked her about how it felt because a lot of the times i mean the government is a very small you know in reflection to the amount of people that are here the bureaucrats and stuff but they can bring the force on an individual pretty heavy and yeah. they can make you feel it and they can really deter you from filming police i mean i know even myself has been knocked down thinking should i even pick this camera up again and point it at these guys but you got to do it so right they uh, they don't want what they what they would like to have is just one person but if they've got a whole movement of folks then they've really got a problem on their hands and that's what's happening here in new hampshire is we've got liberty-minded people are coming here as part of the free state project and they're standing up uh, against you know the government in various different ways not just recording the police but also getting active in politics as well in fact the political actions are really starting to upset people i uh, just blogged about it today over at freekeen.com there are counter protests happening at the state house by government bureaucrats who are upset because they're looking at losing some of their power the status quo is being threatened from the political system and that's that's really upsetting those people we're coming up this is free talk live you can take control MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zempax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com
This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. If you dial in toll-free, that is 1-800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 800-259-9231. We've got features on our website. We give you the site for free. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for their site. So go over and enjoy things like the webcam, totally free, over at cam.freetalklive.com. That's where you can go to watch, listen, and interact with other listeners because the chat room is built into the same page there. Uh, Cam.freetalklive.com. The Cam, brought to you by Memory Dealers. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers. They're 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers at up to 99% 99% off of list price. That's a discounted optical transceiver. That's for sure. They also uh, are, have great customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling in stock. Ready to ship the overnight delivery. It's MemoryDealers.com. All right, so we'll continue taking your phone calls about what you want. Still to come, the story of the juror who was forced, apparently, into indefinite jury duty. Purgatory. Uh, yep, we will uh, first, though, go to your thoughts and your calls. Matthew is listening in Missouri. Matthew, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Ademo and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, Matthew, what's on uh, your mind tonight? Well, first, as a former law enforcement, I wanted to commend uh, the cop block uh, work. Um, it's phenomenal work. I just wanted to... Uh, let you know that, um, you know, people come out of it. <laughs> Former law enforcement, how long were you in the, the field? Uh, not long, four years. Sheriff, uh, police officer, what was your job? Well, i I got to be a little bit careful. I can say that I, I worked for a state law enforcement, um, mm. and I facilitated um, uh, tactical training, tactical simulations for Agencies ranging from municipal departments all the way up to DEA, ICE, uh, FBI, postal inspectors. So were you ever on on the streets? Uh, no, well, my public interaction was actually um, with civilians uh, in the facilities that I uh, worked in. Um, and, uh, you know, even in those capacities, I can tell you that, um, you know, the, it, even, in that, even in that context, it's a power trip. You know, I mean, there were plenty of times that, you know, I treated grown men like children and, you know, yelled at them for no good reason. And, mm. and uh, you know, looking back, it was shameful and evil. Um, but What, changed, know, what I, changed about you? Um, <laughs> well, um, getting back into the private sector, I think, helped. Why did um, you leave? And then, uh, quite frankly, uh, my career was stalling, and I just felt like I had an opportunity in a different state uh, in the private sector that, made more sense financially. Why was your um, career stalling? Was it because you found it difficult to do some of the jobs or just because, you know... Of- no, I just didn't. I just felt like the educational track that would have been required for me was just not realistic. I had a family that was growing quickly, and it just... It, I, I could have gotten somewhere, but it just wouldn't have happened fast enough. Um, gotcha. And so it, it's very pragmatic, boring stuff. Um, so you said that yeah, it changed. I, you, you started to change when you got out of it, uh, mostly because of the the working in the private the private marketplace. No, well, that really wasn't it. I think that helped. No, really, what it was was just starting to interact with more and more, uh, you know, people across the you know the, the liberty uh, landscape, hmm. um, and slowly but surely, you know, having people question a lot of my assumptions and my ideas about how the world w- works and how it should work, and you know, it took it took a year or two. Um, but, sure. uh, you know, um, you know, you see the light, uh, if, uh, if you're, if you're, you know, halfway intellectually honest with yourself over a long enough time, and there's enough people around you willing to question 
yep. uh, you know, your beliefs in the sun. Sounds very so familiar. Anyway, just- so- sounds very uh, reminiscent of the Bradley Jardis story, who was also influenced by people who were in the liberty movement who cared, who actually showed him uh, compassion instead of anger, who showed right. him love instead of fear and hatred because he was a, he was a cop. And I think that that's, it's so important to, as much as these guys could can be bad guys, as much as they can do the wrong thing, to, to be angry at them for doing what they're doing isn't going to get you anywhere with them. It's not going to get them to listen to you. It's not going to get them to consider your ideas. And so even when they are aggressing, even when they are hurting people, being as calm as possible and showing them love is the the best thing but, I think. But to be do. allowed into that circle, and maybe the caller can attest that, is really hard to, to be able to show them that love and stuff. Normally, you know, there's such a tight knit group of police officers and to get into that group and, and do that is, is something that's quite difficult. Well I just mean anytime you encounter them, rather than being angry at them Coming at them from a point of compassion, sure. Instead of that's anger. to do. Are, were there ever? Oh, times? it's never easy to do, no. especially well, when they're aggressive. Yeah, the time people. frame and everything, right? I mean, expect, yeah, they're carrying off your friend. I mean, I spent 16 days because I was upset. You know, right? I, I was spotted off in, in uh, court. But uh, I had a question for the caller: is if, is if at any times, like when you're in the locker rooms or, or at work, or like do you, do officers talk about things of like you know? Uh, simple drug possession or something like that that they just hate like having to go out and do every day I mean or, or is it really because like a lot of the responses I've gotten is like the law is the law I got to do what the law says you know what is like the behind the scenes look it it depends on the headspace of of the of the officer honestly you know uh, you know no two people in the liberty liberty movement are the same um, you know no two law enforcement officers are the same uh, you know mm-hmm. we all carry our own mind and uh, you know there are some guys that are, you know, really introspective, really thoughtful, um, and they question, you know, to to varying degrees, obviously. Um, You know, some of them more so than others. And then there are others that, you know, quite frankly, I don't know a nice way to put it, you know, a lot of them are, you know, um, you know, we would call them, when I was working in the agency, you know, we would refer to the guys that were very, you know, by the book, you know, never question anything, uh, you know, only uh, functioned at, you know, uh, barbecues at other officers' houses. I mean, they just didn't have a life outside of law enforcement. You know, we would call them robocops. Even Robo-cop. even internally, mm-hmm. um, you know, those guys are out there. Uh, also call them Boy Scouts. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, so um, you know, and then and then some of them honestly are just any. Even internally, you recognize it when you see it. A lot of them, uh, although we sort of, I have to be honest, we sort of admired them. As as evil as it was, uh, a lot of them. Uh, I don't say a lot, but a portion of them were just cowboys. They're just looking for the thrill. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're just looking for the chance to, you know, uh, you know, overpower somebody or whatever. Right. The badge and, heavy. Uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, the thing I came to learn, I think, you know, most people understand this, obviously, in in in, um, in your audience, um, was that, you know, underneath the uniform or what you know libertarians would call the costume, underneath the badge and the hat, you know, we all look just as ridiculous naked. <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> You know, and speak so for yourself. I said, speak for yourself, Matthew. So, the, oh, well, I'm just I, I, I think we all look ridiculous naked, but that's just that's just my take on it. I, um, just a joke. I, I have this question for you. If the yeah. 
when do you guys ever talk amongst yourself? When I had dealings with law enforcement officers, and I did day in and day out, I worked for the state for um, some time. I was actually in, in prison, prison, and so I worked with guys. And I oh, was told okay, well then, okay. on more than go. one occasion that, yeah, I've planted uh, evidence on somebody, but I knew they'd done something wrong, so I was just actually getting back to even was kind of the way it was. How many? How often would police officers say things like that to each other? Ooh, you know, not very often in my experience, honestly. So d- you um, didn't know that there was, like, I guess, you know. Do that doesn't co- mean it wasn't happening. Yeah, do cops know when other cops are breaking the rules and breaking the law? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Tell you what, I, I know you were actually calling in for a different reason, so if you want, hang on. We'll come back with more of uh, Matthew in Missouri, 800-259-9231, former law enforcement uh, officer. Always interesting. To Always get, fun, yeah. Yeah, to get their perspective on things. Uh, you can take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231, because they don't have to toe the line. It's just a few bad This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231. That number is brought to you by SACL CAI. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. Adamo. And Mark. Uh, by the way, Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's happening uh, coming up this June, the 20th through the 26th. It's going to be a great event. All kinds of stuff happening there. Everything from live musical performances uh, to family fun, agorism in action. Lots of different vendors are going to be there selling products and services, and uh, maybe some of them won't be completely legal, but that's part of the fun of uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And uh, it's going to be a great time. There are going to be hundreds of people that will be in attendance. Over 450 people have registered in the pre-registration, the early bird registration phase. That phase is now over. Uh, the regular price is 30 bucks. That's the in advance price to, uh, to get into Porkfest, but you can save 20% by going to porkfest.com and using our discount code, which is Free Talk Live without any spaces. So just put in Free Talk Live, you'll save 20% on your early, on, excuse me, not early registration, but pre registration. Because you don't want to go the day of. Maybe it'll cost like a few bucks more then. And registering in advance is helpful because it gives them some idea of how many people to expect and plan for. And that's important. So uh, take, take a moment. Go to porkfest.com. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. You'll learn a lot more about the event there. We were there last year broadcasting live throughout the weekend. This time we're going to do the entire week uh, live from Porkfest. Right. And anyone who's debating it, I mean, there's plenty of – it's on Facebook, Twitter. There's plenty of people that give accounts. It's a great time. I mean, you know, there's no way that you can't be talked into it by somebody who has a great uh, experience to tell. Yeah, and you've been to two of them now, right? Yep, this will be my third. Yeah, it's so. it's just a blast. I think, what, Mark, we've been to four or five at this point? Something like that. Yeah, it. because so, we didn't go in 2006, so our first year, I think, was, was in 07. So this will probably be our – I guess our fifth year? I don't know. Anyway, it's a lot of fun, and more people are coming every single Fifth. yeah every single year. More people are attending. the uh, The entertainment gets better. The options uh, get better. Of course, it's camping, so there's you know, very low costs involved here. It's really, you're going to spend probably more you to do travel. Value. 
I do. Uh, and camping's great, so you get to have fun with hundreds of other like-minded, liberty-oriented people. That's the number one reason to come to Porkfest, for the networking, for the socializing with people that think like you do when it comes to freedom. And to get a taste of what New Hampshire's like so when you move. That's right. <laughs> and, and a lot of the people that are attending Porkfest are either decided that they are going to come to New Hampshire and they just haven't made the move yet, and they want to have an excuse to come here and vacation and see the state, or they haven't quite decided, and this is kind of them testing the waters to see what is this community really like. I hear a lot about it on the internet. I hear a lot about it on Free Talk Live. Are these people for real? Yeah, they are for real. And they are an incredible group of activists that is really making a huge difference. So come up, join the fun. Porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. Matthew is in Missouri. Matthew, are you a Free State Project participant? I am not. You're not? Oh, no. What's holding you back? Uh, I I have things going on here. <laughs> so, um, no, I mean, I mean, I support the project. I, I think it's a fantastic thing um, that people are doing. Um, I'm just not at a place in my life where, you know, I'm, uh, I'm ready to, you know, take myself and, and my wife out of our, you know, present career tracks and make that gotcha. move. Like, do, you think it would be something you, do you think it would be something you'd consider for the future? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, like everybody else, you know, I've, I've got, you know, bills to pay and kids to feed. So, you know, if I felt like my wife and I could, could make it over there, um, yeah, yeah, I, I totally, I totally be in. I mean, wouldn't you want to raise your kids in the freest place in, uh, in America? Absolutely. I would love to. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I, uh. I want to be able to uh, feed and clothe them as well. So, sure, sure. Matthew, uh, I'm going I'm to make him stop hard selling you on the Free State Project. There. <laughs> and I, I, but I do have a question for you. You said you're a former sure. law enforcement officer, and just before the break, I had uh, asked you if police officers know when other police officers are doing things that are illegal, and you you uh, answered in the affirmative. And I just want to sort of know how. Uh, because they'll tell you. Or, you know, or somebody in their close circle will talk about it or, or you just know that the guy's shady, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it just, there's different ways, but very rarely is somebody, you know, uh, operating, you know, outside of the boundaries and well, you know, it's, I don't know, I hate to say it that way because it's, it's a question of degree, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you know, when you're, when you're in that community, um, everybody's operating outside of it to some degree. It's just a question of where do, where do you draw the line? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many tickets I got out of, you know. I mean, it's it, and that's operating outside of the boundaries. You mean right? as a so, cop? You mean like by yeah. other cops knowing that you were a cop and not giving you a yeah, ticket? Yeah, even when I was, I mean, even when I was in college and working for the, you know, for the my university police department. I mean, I remember once I was going home after a move and it was like 2 in the morning and I was doing 90-something on a, in a 55 highway, got pulled over. <laughs> Went through the spiel. When it came to the question of who, you know, where do you work? I told him I work, you know, for which police department I worked for. That was it. The conversation was over. He went back to his car, yep. gave him my stuff back, and said, you know, slow it down. Mm-hmm. I should have gone to, you know, by the book. I should have gone to jail, right, for going that fast. Not, not even gotten a ticket. And I didn't, you know, nothing happened. Incredible. And that's, Professional um, courtesy, as it is called. Right, right. And so, you know, most people in, in the law enforcement community would see that as part of the normal, like you said, professional courtesy um, versus, you know, like what you're talking about, like planning evidence or, you know, uh, or roughing somebody up when you know that, you know, your dash cam isn't on or whatever. Or how about uh, forcing you know. sex from somebody? That's another one. That well, that's a big one, right? 
I'm, I'm wondering. Yeah. I, I think I'm wondering more about the little stuff than the big stuff. I, are you saying that you would you would speculate that most, if not all, police officers, at least the ones that you came in contact with, you know, bent the rules for themselves? As a well, as members of the community, yes, yes. Well, as members of the community, it, right? What's that mean? I don't know that it was necessarily the kind of you know, like you know, technically you're not supposed to get free food. Well, everybody goes into restaurants and gets free food. As cops, so you're not supposed to do that, but everybody does. All cops do that. I mean, well, I shouldn't say all. I'm sure there's you yeah. Know, the, actually, the the cops here in Keene, again, to give these guys credit in Keene, uh, some of them are. I don't know if I can say this about all of them, but I know that uh, the. One of the police lieutenants and the police chief have told me that they were going down to some some like police gathering in Massachusetts or whatever, and they went into a McDonald's and the McDonald's record, you know, they they were dressed as cops and oh, right. the meal's free, and they insisted on paying for the meal because they they do not want to accept uh, those freebies. But you're right, a lot of cops expect to get freebies, and they in fact some of them will get upset if a, a restaurant will not give them freebies. Breaks on rent sometimes just to park the car out front. I mean, they're already getting a freebie because their job is provided by tax right. dollars, so whatever. But to come to the defense of the officers in this instance, everybody bends the rules uh, to, to their benefit. You know, I mean, so, but the, the problem is, is that they're they're hypocritical about it because right. they they are the ones who will write you and punish you for the it. thing that I so yeah, right. everybody does it, but not everybody does it under the color of law. Mm-hmm. So exactly, right. that's the what important part. Is so many people will tell you this is a nation of laws, and that's what I'm trying for myself and for other people that are listening to sort of pull the bricks out of that nonsensical building. There isn't a nation of laws if there's a class of people who don't have to follow them. And then, then each. Each law is different, and likely you d- you b- bent the rules for certain uh, people that you know you know some lady that works at the clerk's office plus the politicians in town. It's a nation of masters and servants, right? Yep. So, what else were you calling about tonight? Because I don't think that was your original point, right? No, actually, it wasn't on my radar at all. I just wanted to 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 applaud your your work on on the project. That was well, thank you. <laughs> go really go quick on what you're originally calling about. Um. Well, I probably can't do the second one quick. Uh, the first one was simple. I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the significance or insignificance of the uh, Glenn Beck cancellation announcement. Mark, you just mentioned this during one of the breaks. To me, I saw the news earlier today. I guess it's a big deal. He has a, It's not his radio show that's been canceled. It's his uh, Fox, Fox television Fox program. News. Um, he yeah. got great ratings there. I mean, they, they have been diminishing over time. But when you're diminishing ratings, but they're still better than ever, all the other cable news channels, you'd think they'd keep the guy on. I don't know why they decided to take the guy off. Maybe it was creative differences. Yes. Who knows? Sometimes I felt, um, you know, his show was a little creepy and weird. But they, you know, that's uh, the, he was doing the show that was getting viewers, and that's great. I hope they take Judge Napolitano, who apparently was the only guy that subbed for Glenn that got as good a ratings as Glenn did. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that's you know I hope that that's the guy they take and put That'd be in nice because right now he's on the Business Channel, right? Yeah, he's on Fox Business. I which think is, Glenn right. Beck did himself in. He cried one too many times on air. It's over. <laughs> Matthew, call about the other issue another night. Thanks for the call. I appreciate okay, hearing from you, you and all the uh, the expertise from behind the scenes in the law enforcement world. It's always fascinating to dig into that. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL. CAI toll free line. Enough time for your thoughts coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. 800 259 9231. Bring up anything. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. 
We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Franks, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but it's still enough time for your call, your thoughts, 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. A demo. And Mark. Speaking of SACL CAI, what is that, Mark? SACL CAI's company that handles accounts receivable for other companies. Whether you need collections, early outbilling, or you have uh, charged off receivables that uh, you wouldn't mind selling, SACL CAI will do it. They'll do it with respect for your customers. You can find out more by clicking on their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page. All right, so 800-259-9231. So, Mark, uh, we'd mentioned the story, haven't had a chance to dig in, now would be a good time, about a jury, one juror in particular, who was told, apparently, ordered to never stop doing jury duty. Please give me details on this. From NYDailyNews.com, Judge Giz, juror number 799, indefinite jury duty after she makes racist remarks on a questionnaire. Hmm. An incensed federal judge sentenced a racist Brooklyn woman, which, you know, racist remarks does not make someone racist, but, you know, I understand drawing the parallel, to an indef- to indefinite jury duty on Tuesday after she trashed NYPD and minorities. This is an outrage, and so are you, federal judge Nicholas Garofus told the uh, woman holding up her bile-filled juror questionnaire. (laughs) Juror number 799, an Asian woman in her 20s, said she she works in the garment industry, was up for jury duty in the death penalty trial of uh, uh, Bonam, no crime boss, uh, Vincent, uh, that's Vinnie Gorgeous. Uh, didn't take long for her to uh, start looking worse than the defendant. Asked to name three people she least admired, she wrote in her questionnaire, African-Americans, Hispanics, and Haitians. Wow. When the judge asked why she answered uh, the question that way, she replied, you always hear about them in the news doing something. She also declared Jeez. that cops are all lazy, claiming that they sound their <laughs> sirens to bypass traffic jams. So true. Well, <laughs> Garof- that part. Garofis right. flipped uh, forward j- several pages in the, her questionnaire. He landed on the page where she had... Uh, several s- pages. Said she had a relative who was a member of this the... This is chi- New York, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Chinese Ghost Shadows gang in the 1980s convicted of murder and still in prison. Why didn't you put Asians down also, the judge asked sarcastically, referring to her list of least liked people. Maybe I should have, she said. <laughs> Assistant U.S. Attorney... I hate everybody right. but me. <laughs> that backfired on the judge there. The uh, uh, Assistant U.S. Attorney questioned the woman to be... Um, requested the woman be disqualified from Vinnie Gorgeous's case, but the, her inappropriate com- because of her in- inappropriate comments, the motion was granted. It was not unheard of for people to try to get out of jury service by making ridiculous statements concerning their views. Mm-hmm. It was unclear Tuesday whether that was the case with this woman. Right. That had to be what she was doing. She had to be just like, I'm going to write the most outlandish stuff. I did something similar on a jury form. Not similar, but uh, she, she wrote racist marks. I just wrote felon on it and sent it back in mm-hmm. big black marker. But that take care of it? No, they, I got selected. Really? Yeah, I had to go through <laughs> that process still, but. Well, if that was her motive, it didn't work. Indeed, the woman was going to be seen seeing a lot of Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Federal Court. 
She's coming back today, Thursday and Friday, until and until the future, when I'm ready to dismiss her, Garofalo said. 1,000 prospective jurors have filled out questionnaires for the uh, that case there, approaching the Eastern District of New York, a record of uh, more than 1,000 summoned for the late Gambino boss um, in his trial 20 years ago. Nearly half of the jurors are struck before they even get to the court for questioning due to language barriers, fear of mafia, or their extreme views for and against the death penalty. Mm -hmm. The panel members that do get selected for the trial will be anonymous and transported to the courthouse by U.S. Marshals to thwart any possibility of jury tampering. Mm -hmm. So the lady's coming back. And I guess, like, are they just going to not give her jury duty, but just keep forcing her to come back? Right. That's what it sounds. She'd have to come back every day until they select the jury, so he's just going to waste her time, because she's been expunged yeah. from the case or whatever, removed. Yeah, removed. Wow. It's ridiculous. Uh, and don't you love how a judge can just sentence somebody yeah. to that without any kind of trial? Yeah. Like, oh, psh, you're going to be coming back until I say otherwise, little missy. Well, where's my trial? Oh, well. I'm it. Yeah, right. we don't have to do anything yeah, for you. We don't do that trial thing around You haven't here. actually been charged with anything. But yet you've been sentenced to something, and it's yet not contempt of court. Normally, right, the she'll get ju- contempt of court if she doesn't show up. Right. N- normally, the uh, the man in the robe has this power. This is like the ultimate power that no bureaucrat has, except for men and ro- men and women in robes, and they can they can sentence anybody they want for pretty much any reason they want to uh, contempt of court because they've had their feelings hurt or whatever. You got Inside it. Inside their courtroom. Right. You got it for several days as a result of an outburst in court. I got it for not sitting down fast enough and refusing to answer whether I'd pay a fine. Uh, I was sentenced to several days. We've seen just lo- the most ludicrous reasons uh, people being sentenced to contempt of court. But this isn't a contempt sentence. No. This She's is- not going to jail. She's been told she must continue reporting dutifully to the jury uh, selection process even though she's already not been selected for that particular jury as a punitive measure for something that she hasn't been charged with a crime for. Yeah, he hasn't relieved her from her jury duty, so she has to keep coming back daily, which, of course, is going to cost this woman a great deal of money and probably cement in her mind that not just cops are all lazy, but, in fact, bureaucrats are all evil. I mean, it's hard to like this woman. I don't like her. She's, she's, you know, a scumbag as far as I'm concerned. You don't know whether she uh, was saying these things. I don't care what her reasons were. It was inappropriate. Right. She's, she, I have no love for this woman, but I certainly like the system less, and what they're doing to her is completely wrong, and it really just shows that jury duty, they believe that you are obligated to this. They believe that uh, by calling you for this jury duty that you are essentially being drafted. This is a draft. A jury duty is a draft. And it's just a smaller draft. They're not drafting you to go over and fight in a war. They're drafting you to go and sit in a courtroom. So... Let's call it what it is. It's involuntary servitude. Now, I'm not saying I would want to get out of it. I want to get on a jury because I want to be able to take a drug case and find that that person not guilty and go all the way through the very end of that and, and, and try to save somebody from going to jail. I'm very interested in being on well, a jury. Well, actually, that's kind of funny. There's this poll underneath it, and it's uh, whether or not, you know, how do you feel about jury duty? And mm. uh, let's see, the, the number one choice is I would do anything to get out of it mm-hmm. um, at 45 percent of people would say anything to get out of it wow. so this is this is why i don't fault this woman because she probably heard from somebody make a racist comment they'll let you out of jury duty if there Maybe. was a sign on the way in the into the federal court building that said if you if you have racist feelings please tell us now we'll let you out of jury duty mm-hmm. right, but, i suspect you'd find a lot of people that suddenly had racist views yeah but like ian said i mean it doesn't excuse the behavior at 
all. I mean, it's still there could have been a hundred other things she could have done. Well, uh, but this she may, could have just she's r- an written Asian on a libertarian. That would be it. She said, indeed. <laughs> but she hasn't talked to anybody no, who's libertarian. Clearly. Somebody at the garment factory probably told her. I'm just guessing. I, I don't know. Where you're Maybe from. she's a bigot. I have no idea. So what are the other responses? Forty five percent. Yeah. Um. No. Thirty percent is I don't like it much, but I feel obligated to do it. Of sixteen percent is a lot. That's a lot of people. I avoid. Uh, I avoid it at all costs, oh, but God. I would never make an outrageous comment like that to get out of it. So if wait you a could, minute. So how many people actually want to go to jury duty? Ten percent. Like oh my God! I enjoy it immensely. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's. It's forty percent would you know eat, would be willing to do it. Basically, I feel obligated to do it, or I enjoy mm-hmm. doing it. That's forty percent, um, which is. Less than I would do anything to get out of it at forty five percent, and then another sixteen percent as I avoided all costs. But Wait, I, I thought you said it was thirty percent, not forty percent. Thirty, forty five, and sixteen. I'm I'm adding things together now. Oh, okay, sorry. So when you take the ten percent and the thirty percent, that's forty percent, and that's the people. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post. And I have with me today Michael George. And Michael George, you claim that you can end the deficit with no new taxes. Tell me about that. Yes, the major opportunity before us has to do with eliminating waste. Right now, our studies indicate that there's about $900 billion per spending per year due to waste that can be eliminated by the federal government. Well, I, I mean, you know, I guess waste and government go hand in hand, right? I mean, it's uh, eliminating waste from the government is like teaching pigs to sing, isn't it? It is, but there's sources of waste that are hidden from the view of both Congress and currently the president that need to be understood in the methods of detection and elimination explained to our elected officials. Now that you can, you can have them. They could be your elected officials. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, let me, would you like an example of waste in government? I, 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 I can't imagine this is too hard, but sure, I'll give you a softball. <laughs> okay. Let's take an example. Do you remember about Three years ago, our soldiers and Marines were being blown up in the Humvees in Iraq. It was it? The, yeah, they didn't have the the armor plating on the side of the Humvees, and the, also correct. the soldiers um, didn't have uh, uh, vests, and their families were having to give them uh, bulletproof vests and stuff. That is correct. All correct. Uh, there was a vehicle called the MRAP, mine resistant ambush protected, which in fact does afford protection against mines. And uh, uh, the problem was, the Marine Corps could only build them at the rate of five per month in their facility. Um, on the East Coast. And so uh, the Secretary of the Navy put 19 people trained in waste detection and elimination to work on it. Within 90 days, they had that same number of people in the same facilities producing 50 vehicles per day. Holy mackerel. So they went and from they could, 5 to 50 in a, in a month? Is that what you said, or a day? Three months. Three months. Okay. And put the same facility and the same number of workers. Uh, and the conclusion you arrive at is that 90% of their labor and overhead costs prior to this had been waste. I, I You know, a 90% is a number I can go with. I mean, I thought you had said that government was only 25% waste today. Well, you that's know. an average that we use, a very conservative average. <laughs> Extraordinarily, I would say. It really is. Um, but what I'm suggesting to you is um, most of the waste is hidden because people never really look at what is required by the user of the output. Um, would you like another example? I'd love another example of government yeah. waste. I make a living um, out of this. <laughs> yeah. 
fundamentally, uh, the Naval Aviation Flying Program cost was going up every year. Yet the number of aircraft carriers is constant. The number of flyers is constant. So why is it going up? Um, what we found was very interesting. The, the number of uh, practice takeoffs and landings off carriers was relentlessly increasing. Okay. Um, and so the real question is, what uh, defines readiness, combat readiness for a pilot? There was no metric defined that the fleet had ever signed off on, and it's the fleet that, that those, those pilots are, are sworn to defend. So when that metric was defined, it was found that 80% of the squadrons were flying way over the metric, okay. burning up airplanes, engines, fuels, maintenance, spares, etc. When they started flying only to the metric of readiness as defined by the customer, which is the fleet, they cut $169 million out of the program by the stroke of a pen. They were just getting started. I have more examples of how they continue this process. But, you know, the, the, the carrier pilots didn't think that was waste, did, did they? No, the carrier pilots thought that they were, you know, I mean... Doing for, a good job. Yeah, the, the, the more times we take off and the more times we land, that's, uh, you know, the better we are at taking off and landing, and these are some of the toughest parts of doing our job. Right, and but but once you fly beyond what the fleet, which is the customer, defines as the readiness metric, uh, then everything is waste, and, yep. and you find this throughout the government. I can give you countless more examples, but the bottom line is, uh, if you apply 25%, reduction to the discretionary budget, you save nearly $400 billion per year right there. And that you haven't even touched Medicare or Medicaid yet. And now, uh, would, you like, would you like an example of health care waste? <laughs> are you talking about in the marketplace or are you talking about in the government? Uh, both. Okay. Uh, first, of course, there's the fraud issue of the Benitez brothers who scammed uh, uh, Medicare for $119 million worth of HIV pills, which they never actually bought. Okay. That's that's worth a hundred billion dollars a year, by the way. What the, the fraud in general? Yes, but there's a much bigger number. There's eight hundred billion dollars of healthcare waste. Uh, would you like an example of that in the in the private sector? I'd love to hear eight hundred billion okay. in waste now, here, in the here, private sector. Here, okay, here, here let me give you an example. Stanford University Hospital was under pressure because of Medicare reimbursements, and they noticed that their costs of performing cardiac bypass surgery was significantly higher than Emory, which is another great university hospital. Okay. Why is that? Well, it was found out that uh, they were spending too much time in the ICU versus the step-down unit because the step-down unit, which is far less expensive, didn't have enough capacity. They found that every setup was different. Well, if you add all these things up, they were able to reduce the cost of cardiac bypass surgery by 40%, and they reduced the mortality rate by 48%. It's awesome. In other words, it, once you got people out through ICU faster, they were less susceptible to infections, etc., and their mortality rate, in fact, went down. Isn't that the outcome we all want? It sounds like it. Now, when you add up all of Stanford University Hospital's savings, it was $25 million per year for a relatively small hospital. And that's just one example of costs that Medicare would have borne they don't have to bear anymore, and that needs to be. Institute Health has said there's at least eight hundred billion dollars per year wasted in healthcare system that's reimbursed, and we can capture that. Okay, so how do you capture it? Basically, you mandate that everybody start learning waste detection and elimination methods throughout the government and throughout the healthcare system, just like you know, General Toyota Motors Company 
mandates that all their suppliers learn how to reduce their costs and waste. Caterpillar mandates all their suppliers do it. Xerox mandates all their suppliers do it. Walmart does it, too. The government needs to do the same thing. Yeah, Walmart does it, too. Exactly. Now, the, the method that we used, and the, the reason I know these numbers in the Army and Navy and, uh, is because uh, my former firm, which I've sold and have no more interest in, uh, has uh, was a prime contractor for the Army and Navy, and we got all these examples, and we concluded that at least 25% of all their spending was waste. And uh, they're doing, as Secretary Gates said, they're on their way to cutting $100 billion per year out of the Pentagon Pentagon budget due to that. Now, I can see how you can dangle this carrot in front of a business. You can say, look at look at here, I've got a million dollars in waste that I can cut for you. And um, they'll go ahead and say, okay, we'll spend $100,000 to uh, save a million uh, a year, no problem. Whereas... Exactly. With the government, they don't have the same motivations. They're not spending their money. They're spending your money. And, yeah, you know, you're going to pay your money or you're going to go to jail. So they've, <laughs> they've got an instance where they, um, you know, their, their motivations are entirely different. I can see how when the pressure's really on uh, the military, the Marines, and they have to produce more of these, uh, what was the name of the vehicle that you're referring MRAP. to? The MRAM vehicles, that, MRAP, yes, that they might be more motivated in the same way that during the uh, space program, the United States government was more motivated to produce because the uh, Soviet government was also trying to land somebody on the moon. But um, how do they like how do you get the government to step up and do it? You have to start with the president. And that's why we've established a grassroots organization in Iowa, New Hampshire and South Carolina to uh get people of all stripes, Democrats, politicals, libertarians, to only support those candidates for president who will commit to cut waste by $900 billion per year using a waste detection and elimination processes, as well as, of course, the Medicare entitlement, you know, things that the Bowles Simpson people suggested to a bipartisan panel. But the bottom line is you can balance the budget primarily through waste elimination. We now have 14,000 people in Iowa who are pledged to only support those candidates who will support our, our proposal in terms of waste reduction. Well, now, when you um, – how do you get so, – so you get the candidates in there that are pledged to do it. Let's, let's yes. say you get a few candidates in there, and that would be awesome. I, you know, I love the idea of a government that isn't wasteful. It kind of sounds like – you know, pigs that sing to me, but you know, I'm I'm, I'm willing to talk to you about it. Um, the what? How does the Congress then force the the bureaucrats? Because you know, Congress Congress critters come, Congress critters go. The bureaucrats they always remain the same. Exactly right. Fundamentally, you have to do it the same way that industry does it. What industry does, I remember very well. Uh, ITT would cut. They're spending budgets by 7% every year, but the output was to remain the same, constant. And every year they would surpass it. GE Jet Engines mandates that they're going to cut the budget. For example, last year it was by $55 million, and they exceeded their goal. They produced a better engine for less money with higher reliability for $55 million less in, in Cincinnati. So the key thing is you have to mandate the changes, and Congress, with its spending uh, authority, has to mandate that the president do it, uh, that he's going to reduce the budget by this amount, and then he must submit a, a budget that's $300 billion per year less every year for three years, which gets you to $900 billion. That'd be awesome. I mean, you know, the now, the, the, uh, see, it's um, the Paul Ryan bill b- budget that they're proposing right now is supposedly 
$600 billion uh, cut, but it's actually a $600 billion cut off of Obama's already high budget, not off of, say, last year's or the year before or whatever. I mean, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a cut that only gets us down to the size of government under Clinton, um, you know, as a, as a percentage of GDP. How, when you're talking about cuts here, what, what, where are you cutting from? Because that always matters. Where do you start yes. your cut? We are starting from the last approved budget, which was uh, the $1.3 trillion discretionary budget that was approved in 2009. Uh, so we have to get back to those levels as a starting place. Um, and then we start cutting from there. I'd love to uh, see that. Otherwise, happen. it's simply eyewash. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'd, I'd love to see that. Now, you're just talking about cutting the discretionary budget. Um, and as you said, me- that's Medicare and Social Security are also on that. Can you increase the efficiency of Medicare and Social Security? Yeah. Well, first of all, Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security are not part of the discretionary budget. They're mandatory. They're entitlements. Yep. But, yes, we can. Now, uh, I gave you one example. Uh, from the Stanford Hospital, how Medicare can be dramatically reduced in terms of cost while improving its quality and the uh, uh, reducing mortality. Uh, the same is true of Social Security, oddly enough. Do you realize that for every dollar Social Security sends out in checks, that they spend 14 cents in overhead cost? How do they do it? Bureaucrats? <laughs> lots and lots of bureaucrats. Okay. And I, I can tell you right now, you can send the checks out just as reliably and just as with higher high quality with 25% less cost. I bet you could. The same is true with the VA hospitals. Uh, They're much worse than, for example, the university hospitals in terms of of waste. We want to give good care for our soldiers and Marines, but we want to deliver the the higher quality care at lower cost. I'd think that you'd be able to operate the VA just uh, in a more, more cheaply just by writing checks than these buildings uh, you know sell the buildings off to other hus- organizations that want to open hospitals um, in their community and and help people and then just write checks to the vets um, yeah. and let them go to you know wherever it is they want to go because I've talked to vets that have said they believe that their VA doctor is trying to kill them and you know from a financial standpoint what's the government better off with a dead vet or a live vet I'd say they're oh. better off the government's better off with a dead vet well, you know, that's a good point, but I, I think there's no reason why, uh, with the capacity we've got in, in this country, for us, in fact, not to build any more VA hospitals and probably close a, a number, because there's a lot of hospitals that are really running under capacity that would love to have the business and can deliver the service, better services, for less money. Now, you say the business tax system needs to be changed. Um, what do you recommend on that? My focus uh, is really on the the parts of our economy that really create jobs. Uh, We have a very serious unemployment problem in this country, which has been swept under the rug, and we need to bring it to the fore. The the part of the economy that really creates jobs is the private sector, small businesses with less than 500 employees. Uh, They create all the jobs. The, the big companies like GE just outsource them to China, et cetera, and, yep. we've all, and then they don't pay any income taxes. That's right. So bottom line is I would recommend a 50% reduction of taxes for all companies below 500 employees so that they wouldn't have to go to the bank to borrow money to grow. They can grow, invest, and hire. And for new companies, people who start new businesses, they should pay no federal income tax on their businesses for five years. This will... This will really spur. We have lost a tremendous number of small businesses, and that's what we need to rebuild or we're never going to solve unemployment.
Well, you know, I, I like everybody to get cuts equally, but I'll take cuts. You know, I mean, just when it when it, I'll just you know cut taxes. I'm I'm for that. Um, I can see you know why the company with 501 employees may not particularly like what you've uh, what you're putting out here, but I do think that it. I do think it speaks to the core values of Americans and America. So, you know, I'm I'm not against what uh, you're talking about here. If people like what you're saying, um, that are listening, how do they get involved? You said you had. Uh, I'm in New Hampshire. You said you had uh, stuff going on in New Hampshire yes, we're, for we're, Strong we're, America. Now. We've got a very strong team built up in Iowa. We're we're building our team right now. We'd like people to go to strongamericanow.com and sign our pledge. It's uh, the tab's called pledge that they will only support those candidates that agree to uh, reduce waste and give a tax break for small business. And we're looking for volunteers to help spread this word and get more pledges in New Hampshire because New Hampshire and Iowa are generally they generally determine who's going to run for president. They, they certainly do. Um, you know, you might be able to make a, an argument for South Carolina, but there's but New Hampshire and Iowa probably have the largest sway. They really do. And, you know, if, if uh, unless Iowa puts in, you know, a uh, favorite son like Tom Harkin, then New Hampshire knocks that down. But in general, New Hampshire and, and Iowa being a higher educated than, than the average in America, they really determine the sway of which direction the nomination process is going. Now, what would a volunteer in New Hampshire be doing for StrongAmericaNow.com? They would be, they could, they would be coming to our class. It, it just takes two hours to learn our process if they wish to become a volunteer. And then their goal is to collect 10 petitions uh, so, so that we have the balance of power uh, you know, in, in the election. For example, right now we have 14,000 people in Iowa who have already signed the pledge. We have 2,600 people who are volunteers, and they're going to training. We have 30 training classes in Iowa this next month. That will be moving, that machinery will be moving to New Hampshire shortly. Those 2,600 people will collect 26,000 petitions on average. And that will determine who wins the presidential nomination. By the way, if President Obama would would endorse this waste reduction program, we would applaud him. This is bipartisan. Yeah, I I don't hear anything that's partisan about it. I I don't imagine there's too many Democrats out there that uh, support the idea of government waste. Um, You know, I mean, I've heard them say things like, Mark, imagine if the government could be just as efficient as business and what i usually say to them is imagine if i could shoot rose petals out of my butt i'd be a potpourri pot <laughs> but you know I, I i think you have a what you've explained to me is the single most workable system uh, about this mike that i've heard so far i mean you've got the uh, you've got the cred you've done this with the government in the past and when, when you were involved in this uh, the, the whole mram thing right MRAP, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. MRAP, yeah, mine resistant ambush protected. MRAP uh, situation. So you've you've got a you've got a proof of concept. You've made it work. What I hear from your feet on the ground in New Hampshire and Iowa, you're not just talking about hey, somebody give me the opportunity to do this with the rest of the government, and I will. You've actually got a system, you know, a door to door, you know, handshake politics kind of system set up. I I fully expected to eviscerate you here, and I you know I haven't I haven't really pulled any punches, but uh, Mike, I'm a little more convinced than I was when I got on the phone. So I'm I'm, I'm impressed with your uh, your organization. I you know send me send me a little information. I'll go and sign up at uh, at uh, Strong America now, and and we'll find I'll find out more about it. Right, strongamericanow.com. And by the way, the MRAP example is on that website. Thank you. Mike George from Strong America. 
strongamericanow.com. Thank you very much. Warning. Do not listen to this podcast if hearing about freedom and liberty is not legal for you in your community. And if so, you should immediately move to a hipper community. Coming April 1st, no joke, the Guns and Weed podcast, a weekly web lab where Michael W. Dean and Nima Vadadi cover the punk rockinist, hip hopinist current events, as well as timeless universal truths about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, because there's no such thing as half free. The Guns and Weed podcast, available from gunsandweed.com. The NEMA News with NEMA Vidati. And now for your daily dose of nanny statism in our daily segment, Tyranny Today. Tyranny Today. Well, NEMA, Ban Francisco officials say they're cracking down hard on all unlicensed commerce. If you do not have the proper 47 forms filled out in octuplicate, then they could be coming for you. Just hours ago, six drug police were eaten by bears while raiding a marijuana farm. It is not yet clear if the dope farmer had trained the bears. Or if the animals simply had good taste. Nice bear. Stand back. We're from the government. We're here to help you. It's okay. It's okay, man. Stand back. Nice bear. Stop. Stand back. Hey. Michael W. Dean and Nima Fadadi's fun and feisty weekly chat about constitutional, libertarian, and voluntarist issues, abuse of authority by police, the war on drugs, the war on guns, self-defense, states' rights, natural rights, Austrian economics, the problems of a two-party system, taxation, guns, cats, dogs, anarchy, DIY art, low-budget filmmaking, digital recording, activism, punk rock, sex, hip-hop, and more. Because there's no such thing as half free. Baby, get me the AK. Tell two friends. Make copies. Email it to everyone you know. Go on the site and comment. This is a conversation. Every Friday night, we'll have an exciting new episode where Michael W. Dean and Nima Vadati weave their own unique take on the way the world works and how to find your place in it. Gunsandweed.com. Subscribe. And remember, the only power they have is the power you allow them.